One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana The host asked me if I had a nickname Said my friends call me the Dirtbag King She said on the air I started giggling Hasn't had me back but now I've got this podcast Hey Dirtbags, thanks so much for tuning in to A Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. This is your host, Charles Ellsworth, and I'm just, as usual, so happy to have you here. Thank you, thank you for listening. This week we've got a great conversation with my friend Ellie Ligursky. I know her from college. We both went to school at the University of Utah. We both studied film, and I can't remember if we had a class together or classes together or if we just had mutual friends, but there's a handful of people I know from school that are out in Hollywood working in the film industry, making movies and things like that, and Ellie's one of them, and she's got such an interesting lived experience because she grew up in these really small towns in Colorado and Wyoming and I just thought it'd be really interesting to interview her and she was nervous about it but she was great it was really fun to get to know her a little bit better and have her kind of shed some light on aspects of the film industry that I didn't know anything about and what her experience is like being a producer out there in Tinseltown it was really fun and I'm excited for y'all to hear the conversation that we had but before we get to it I just want to let you know about some things I got going on my next show in Brooklyn is on September 18th at PDA Pizza in Park Slope. It's on the corner of Union and 4th Avenue. I've been wanting to do a kind of pop-up show at my friend's pizza restaurant for a couple of years now, and it's finally the stars have aligned and we've been able to make it happen. So from 12 to 2 during brunch, we're going to be playing there on the sidewalk, kind of entertaining the people walking by and uh, the people coming to get pizza or sourdough pancakes. It's going to be really cool. Come through September 18th from 12 to 2 in Park Slope at PDA Pizza. Beyond that, I've got some traveling I'm going to be doing before the end of the year, but that's not quite ready to announce, so uh, keep your ear to the ground for that. I don't really have a whole lot of other things to announce. I'm working on putting finishing touches on a bunch of songs, I'm going to be doing a lot of recording, working on just trying to you know figure out what all these different ideas are going to end up as. Uh, is it going to be one record, two records, uh, you know, a series of singles? I'm not entirely sure, so I'm kind of just hanging out at home for a while and you know going to try and find some sort of regular work and you know just kind of just dig my heels into making more music and writing and and just putting finishing touches onto stuff it's wild you know when you're on tour you'd think you'd have all this time to play guitar and to to write and whatnot and it's like I barely have any time I barely have enough time to get to the show and and play sometimes so uh, it's nice to be home and in one place and able to you know kind of explore some of these ideas that have popped up in the past few months In the meantime, if you'd like to support my music, there's lots of ways you can do that. And one of the best ways for you to do that is to go to patreon.com forward slash Charles Ellsworth and sign up to become a patron of mine. If you're not familiar, Patreon's a really cool way to support artists or projects that you think are worth the extra financial backing. And what you do is you sign up, you agree to pay a certain amount each month, and that goes directly to the artist. Helps me continue to exist and be an artist, and it helps me... Uh, be able to afford studio time when that time comes up or new strings when I got to buy new strings or it goes directly to supporting my ability to just exist in this world and it makes a big difference to me and I've got some exciting stuff that I'm I'm posting up there I'm always trying to write you know little journal entries or kind of update you all on what I'm up to there give you access to videos early some recordings things like that that other people just don't get to listen to or don't make it to all the parts of the internet that's where you can find special and unique access to me and stuff that I work on in my brain and it's all so appreciated it makes such a big difference uh, being in that weird transition spot I'm in right now from coming home from tour and 
trying to figure out my plan as far as work and, and like how I'm going to make money the next few months. That's always a weird transition and my patrons are a big help in making sure that transition isn't so over the top stressful or, or um, it just kind of smooths it out a little bit and makes it to where I can, it, it smooths it out a little bit and honestly it just relieves a lot of stress for me and it makes it easier for me to focus on finding more work or creating more music, doing things like that, making the podcast, all those things. Your support makes such a big difference. It makes it possible for me to do all these things. So please go over to patreon.com forward slash Charles Ellsworth and check out what we've got going on over there. Another great way you can support me and other artists or musicians that you care about is through Bandcamp. And Bandcamp Fridays is a really cool thing that they've been doing since COVID started, where on certain Fridays, Bandcamp donates 100% of the revenue from purchases on Bandcamp directly to the artist. So they don't take any of their fees whatsoever. If you wanted to go over to charleselsworth.bandcamp.com, and it's this Friday, September 2nd, you can go there and know anything that you buy there, uh, that money is going directly to me to support my ability to keep making music, keep making the show, all of those things. Fingers crossed, gonna have a couple new things to post up there on Friday, so keep an ear out for that. If you're not in a position where you can spend money right now, I totally get it, and and trust me, I no worries at all. There's really great ways you can support me or the podcast without having to spend any money at all. And the most important thing for you to do is if you have the Apple Podcast app, go leave us a five-star rating and a small review, a short review. It doesn't have to be super in-depth, just telling us why you like the podcast. And that helps get the podcast out to more and more listeners and helps get my name out there to more and more people. So if you're not really in a position where you can spend money right now, that's a great way you can do it is leave us a review on Apple Podcast app. Another way you can support me without having to spend any money is following me on Instagram, charles.smellsworth, or you can make sure you're following me or subscribe to me on YouTube, following me on Spotify, and just check out my music. If you're not familiar with my music yet, now's a great time to go look at it. I got 10 years worth of stuff up on Spotify, Apple Music, all over the places you listen to music. Go check it out. Charles Ellsworth or Charles Ellsworth and the Dirty 30. And yeah, just start start a deep dive. Believe it or not, when you stream my music, I make a little bit of money. It's not a ton, but it makes a difference. So go check it out. And if you like anything, put it on your playlist. Share it with your friends. If you think people you know would like it, that all makes a huge difference for me. And the good news is it doesn't cost you a thing. So that's that's pretty much it. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for checking out the podcast. Enjoy this conversation with my friend Ellie. Yeah, I mean, I've done it. I've done it a few times. Usually people just opt for the phone call version if it's not in person because it's just like easier. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like it's nice to see you. Yes, it's good to see you. Yeah, because it feels like world... a real conversation. Yeah, because right. like, where in the world are you right now? I don't know if I'm taking away from what you want to talk about when we're actually no, this recording. Is great. But okay, um, <laughs> well, we're recording, but we can. Okay. We talk about everything. So I am in Brooklyn. I'm in my apartment in Brooklyn. Nice. Okay. Cool. Yesterday I was wearing my Brooklyn. I got like a shirt when I lived there in like 2010 um, at some farmer's market in prospect park and i was wearing uh-huh. that shirt yesterday so nice. brooklyn was on my mind yesterday that's Thanks. awesome i i honestly always thought that you would end up living here at some point you know i so i lived there when i was younger and i absolutely loved it but i actually visited new york um in june of this year and i was like 
God, it's just like, it's a hard, I mean, like, I, I guess like any place is a hard place to live in. Like LA is really hard and really sucks to a lot of people. But uh-huh. I, like, I just was like, wow, New York is like a really hard place to live. <laughs> Cause I was just thinking about like, just like, I didn't have to like take like groceries home or laundry anywhere or anything like that. And even that just like getting around was like, and again, maybe it's just because I'm like, so out of the, out of touch with it. Like I used to be really like savvy with all that stuff, but it was just like, I just felt like I was taking all of my mental energy and I was like, well, whatever. It's just because I've only applied that to like a car now that I live in LA, you know? And so it was like funny, but anyway, I mean, like I absolutely love New York and I probably like, I would be down to like live there for several months, but I don't know if I would like move, move there. Totally. Yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of, it is, it is very much a difficult place to live and exhausting and I'm, I've got a, I say that like this comes up on every podcast episode, but I've got a great situation, a good apartment and good roommates. So like, so it's like fine, you know, but I definitely am like looking for a reason to leave. Okay. Yeah. But like right now it's like the best place for me to be. Yeah. I mean, like, like you, like if you have a good place to live and you like, like who you're around, like that's obviously like 75% 75% of totally. being being okay with where you live, <laughs> which yeah. I have discovered very, um, through the hard ways. But, um, but yeah, no, that's, that's interesting that you say that because that is like, that is what keeps people places, you know, for the most part, for the most part. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's the main reason, you know, cause I can still tour and travel almost as much as I want to. And, you know, for me, if I move anywhere else, uh, I want to live alone or maybe with like one other person. And right now, my that would make my rent probably double at least God, because yeah. I have a really cheap place right now and nice. and have for like I seven years. <laughs> yeah. So it's like sometimes it feels like more of an anchor than a launch pad because I feel like, you know, if I was forced to make more money each month, I might actually go out and do more things. But because like my life's kind of cheap, I'm able to just like spend a lot of time at home playing guitar and, and like writing songs and stuff. Yeah, that's amazing. That's what you should be doing. So that's great. Yeah, I mean, I also have that like overachiever part of my brain that's like, yeah, but you should when you're not touring, be like doing film work or like, you know what I mean? Like doing everything. You should be like making a podcast and, you know, all these things. And it's like, but really, all I ever wanted to do was just sit at home and play guitar. So and I do a lot of that now. So (laughs) That's great. Because when did you start this podcast? Like, how long has this been in your life? Uh, during 2020. Okay, nice. Yeah, okay, during cool. the, I don't know, like spring of 2020. I'd always wanted to do it, uh, but like you know, obviously that was a a good time. I I would have spiraled out super hard if I hadn't just given myself like tons of projects to work on, and yeah. this was one of those things. Nice. No, that's good. I I like for I guess like everybody like during the pandemic I was like I'm gonna take all these like free classes. I'm gonna like learn a new language, all this stuff. But like the most productive quote unquote that I got during pandemic was like um, a group of friends and I like started this movie club and we were like we basically put together a list of all the movies we were embarrassed that we hadn't seen before or like Uh weren't really like that familiar with that are like well-known movies. And then that just turned into like, and so it was like pretty much every day we were watching a movie that like started out as that list, but then it just like became, you know, just like watching a bunch of classic movies and like having, you know, our different, and like we had like a group chat going. So it was like, we would all like press play at the same time and like, just like, you know, make That's discussions awesome. about it so it was it was great it was like but that was like not productive but it, like a lot of ways it kind of was because it was like yeah oh, totally 
like that's why we all got into this industry right is like because we all love movies and we all like you know don't spend enough time like actually enjoying um movies or at least like that's how I feel a lot of the time it's yeah. like I'm in the weeds with working in it a lot and so it's like oh yeah I actually do like this <laughs> yeah totally that's I mean I used to when we were in film school together like I would watch three plus films a week you know just like it was just and all growing up that was just like an obsessive thing that I loved doing and I I like I'm embarrassed to, like I I just started Mad Men last week you know like yeah, I that's... like I, I also like recently started it. I'm on like season three now, but then I like fell off of it. So I need to get, but, okay. but, but I'm also a recent Mad Men person. I, but like, <laughs> I just like don't watch things. I guess that was like yeah. my example of like, I, I don't see things the way that I used to, or like watch as many like movies or films or like, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of fallen off big time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Same here. Because I'm like, I don't know if it's because I'm like jaded or if I just like don't genuinely have more time. <laughs> you know, but it's like whatever, totally. like having time is always like, you know, it's up to whoever, however you want to make your days or whatever. But it's yeah. just funny because I'm always like, because I also like, I just watched Sopranos. I didn't watch Game of Thrones until like, I wanted to like, it like kills me not to be a part of like pop culture phenomenons. And so I couldn't uh -huh. not watch game of Thrones final season with the rest of the world. So I like binged all of it leading up to the final season. And so I was obviously like, I don't know, six or seven, eight years late to the game. But then, yeah. and then I did watch the final season and it was obviously terrible. And so it was like, yeah. Oh my God, I've wasted not good. so much time <laughs> anyway. But it was just like, there are lots of things where I was like, wow, like there are so many other shows that I like haven't, prioritized and so like anyway there are lots of things like that that I would also like I'm trying to keep up on because there's just not enough like there's not enough time there's not enough this but totally. there's also like so much good shit to watch so it's all about prioritizing because like I have friends like Eric Eric Fisher like he uh -huh. I feel like he like consumes the most content out of anybody that I know and it's like every time I talk to him he's like referencing the show or whether it's new or old or whatever and I'm always like god I I, that's so inspiring like I need to because it's not like he has it's not like he's like less busy than I am or whatever but it's just like mm -hmm. he prioritizes it so it's totally. like I've got to got to get on that level but then something else has to suffer if you're not doing that or like right. you know I uh yeah it's it's hard it's like I want to I want to exercise I want to practice guitar I want to do I want to work on the podcast and things like that and then you know sometimes especially a show like Mad Men, I'm realizing like you got to pay attention to that show. It's not like maybe I could catch up on the Marvel films while like uh -huh. editing other videos <laughs> and stuff. And I might do that, but, but there's certain shows, especially like the ones that I really want to watch. Like I love getting lost in a film or a show or, you know, and uh, kind of getting enveloped in that world. And it's hard to, when you're just like, it's just background noise. Yeah, totally. Because, yeah, there are plenty of shows that I watch in the background uh, uh -huh. as I, but it's just trash to like, um, like, because as I've been like working and stuff, I'll often like just watch like shitty reality TV in the back. Like my, my favorite is 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> It's oh, like, nice. <laughs> my friend Jared introduced it to me. And it's like, I've seen, I'm like, there was like a time 
where I was like, you know, like it just like, you know, automatically start playing the next episode. And I like ran out of episodes and I was like, oh my God, like that is so humiliating that I've gone through every like spinoff and like in this 90 Day Fiance universe that I'm like out of episodes because it was just like, yeah, which is so like dumb that it's like, that's something that I've watched all of, (laughs) but not anything worthwhile. But hey, there's no better show on television. Yeah. No, that's, I, Last summer, I was upstate with some friends, uh, and uh, the 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 couple we were staying with, um, the husband was like really into. Uh, oh man, what's the that one? They have a, a a season in Salt Lake, Real Housewives. Oh, okay, great, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, he's like, you lived in Utah. Have you ever seen Real Housewives of Salt Lake? And I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, and so, like, after like, it was so funny after like the NBA finals or we watched uh whatever show what what did i just say <laughs> i forgot real, the name of it real housewives of salt lake city a treasure which is also yeah, a great show is, no totally and i we watched like two episodes and i was like i could definitely like go down a rabbit hole if i was like out of surgery and on like percocet or something and just be like yeah let's just watch this <laughs> yeah no it's um, amazing <laughs> Yeah, no, there's there's some great things about like, I mean, there's just so much good content, whatever you're looking for these days, like, there's probably plenty of it. Yeah. And sometimes I just get overwhelmed by the choices. And so it's nice when someone's finally like, no, you need to watch Mad Men. And I'm like, okay. And then like, within three days, I watched the first season. I'm like, I've been fucking missing out. What am I doing? You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Getting swept up in it. That's the best feeling. (laughs) Totally, totally. And uh, so um, just to kind of jump into like more uh, background on you, you said you grew up in Wyoming. Like, how did you get into? Tell me a little bit about growing up, and then how you got into the idea of wanting to make movies. Oh my god! Yeah, it's like, yeah, I was born in Wyoming. Um, my nobody in my family was ever into movies, TV. Like, my parents were really into books and literature, so I do remember mm-hmm. like stories were like a big part of childhood or whatever but there was definitely like nobody in my like stratosphere was like into movies or whatever and like um I just remember like my first like real memory of like wanting to get into the movie industry was the Oscars like I remember and like I'm still obsessed to this day like people kind of know me for it because um because it is like it is like my favorite day of the year and it's like Uh because when I was a little kid and I was like living in these super small towns in Wyoming and then we eventually moved to Colorado um and Utah when I was in you know when I was super young and it was like I was always in these very small towns and it was like the Oscars was like the ultimate glamour like the ultimate Hollywood like this whole you know universe that I couldn't reach you know it was like this whole thing of like wow, like a bunch of like skinny blonde rich people are on this red carpet. And like, I am none of those things, but I really want to be all of those things, you know? And uh-huh, like, yeah. I, um, so anyway, like I just remember, um, and so like, it was like my first association with wanting to make movies was to be like, you know, an actress on the red carpet. Like I want to be a movie star. I want to be a movie star. Um, but then it was like, it was probably when I moved to Colorado, I was living in a town called Pueblo And, um, I just remember like at one point I had rented most of the movies in our blockbuster that was there. Uh And that was right around the same time that Netflix came around and they delivered DVDs to you. 
And so I remember just like begging my mom because there was like different subscription services, right? Like you could get one, two or three DVDs at a time Uh delivered to you. And I was like burning through them. And so I was like, can we please just pay extra to get three DVDs at once? And she was like, I guess. And so like we like had to pay that like what, like $12 at the time to Uh get it every week. And I just remember the first movie that I was like, oh, like movies are a little bit more than just like fluff and bullshit was uh-huh. um was boys don't cry and i oh, think cool. let me actually see what year that came out because i think if i remember correctly i was like nine or ten years old and that movie is about a transgendered uh, man and it's like and it stars hillary swank and it was the first time i'd ever like known about transgendered people uh-huh. and i was like what else is there that i don't know about like it was like totally. this very like scary not scary but just like a a big realization of like wow this is like actually like opening up new worlds for me like it's not just like star wars and not just like you know like these fantasy but like actual stories about real people that i don't know anything about and like obviously again like i wasn't sheltered by any means because i actually had a very like unsupervised childhood but it still is like you know inherently when you're growing up in small towns in the u.s like you're just not like aware of a lot of what's going on outside of those little towns and so it just was sort of like oh this is like a big deal to me like this is what uh-huh. I really want to um start figuring out like the deeper meaning and so that's when I was like I'm gonna go to film school and I'm gonna study film theory and all that stuff and anyway um that's and that's cool. what that's how we eventually met I mean I was trying to think about when we actually first met because I can't even remember if we had classes together or if we just like knew about each other or what but yeah I yeah. honestly can't remember I thought of that today I was like trying to think of like when I met you and I'm like I don't remember when we may have had a semester with Paul together yeah that would point. make sense yeah um but I can't fully remember M- Mike is the only one that I remember like well, not the only one. I remember a handful of people, but I can't. And I would always like dip into his class yeah. or like random classes or whatnot because I'd end up working my class night. So I'd make it up like the next night. And so I don't know if I saw you there or where. But this is when I say Paul's class to those of you listening. It's our screenwriting uh, professor at the University of Utah. The, he One of these days I should get him on the podcast. because Oh, my God. Works. Yeah. He's still to this day. I'm just like, I, cause I've definitely like fallen out of touch with him, but like he, he's very much the reason why I like that. I even like stayed in college probably like that uh-huh. class. Like he was such like a superhero in my eyes and like those classes and that community that we all had in that class was like the, like, I mean, it was definitely like a shining feature of going to school there. Like it was like, I, you know, I probably would have just like started working um which like I had opportunities to like not necessarily finish school and just like go out and start working in the world but like that was one of the things where I was like man I'm like not ready to leave this environment yet and I still like nothing has duplicated it since then so anyway no I I'm with you I took that class like as many times as they would let me and uh and I will still say like that that's one of probably the only thing that makes me feel like I learned anything in college. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) And and not that they were just like making me jump through hoops while taking my money. Right, exactly. And yeah, Um, and like, and I'm still really good friends with a lot of people that I met in that class. I mean, like, it's kind of wild because you do just get so close. Yeah, people always say the connections you make in college are what make it worth it. And I'm like, I, I can see that. Not that I haven't really like used that. I haven't really pursued a career very hard in that world, but like, a lot of my really good friends and people who have 
I have worked with over the years did come from college. Yeah, totally. And yeah, and that was the funny thing too, is that, um, because I went to middle school and high school in Pueblo, Colorado. And I just remember like, when I did find out I wanted to go to film school, I was like, well, if I go to LA or New York, I'll be one of like a trillion film students. And like, we had spent some years of my childhood in Salt Lake City. So I knew Uh about the the University of Utah. I knew about Sundance. And I was like, maybe if I go there, I'll be able to find a job there. And it actually worked out very nicely because it was like, I I went there and like um, my very first screening of my very first Sundance um, film festival was this movie called Precious, which was directed by Lee Daniels. And uh-huh. at the time I was like, I had a scholarship and I was required to have a, a internship with somebody. And so my mentor at the time was like, you just have to like find a person to get an internship for. And she was like, my goal for you is to like, um, is to collect and give out five different business cards. And I was like 18 at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what am I going to put on a business card? And so I literally wrote, and forgive me if you've already heard this story, but I have not. I, so I literally took index cards, cut them in half and I hand wrote my name, phone number, email address. And at the end of the screening of precious, the director was standing at the back of the theater. And I was like, you know, just like, totally fearless 18 year old like had no like it was it still is like crazy to me I like went up to the back theater and I was like do you have any internship opportunities available and for whatever fucking reason he said do you have a card and I was like of course I do and I gave him that little index card and he laughed and he was like oh this is the cutest shit I've ever seen and the next day his assistant called me and was like hey like Lee really wants you to be an intern um do you live in New York and I was like yes I just like totally lied. And I had a cousin that lived in New York city and I like got, I like begged her. I was like, Oh my God, if I like scrub your floors with a toothbrush and like, I don't know. Like, I I was just like, if I like, can I, can I live with you for the summer just so I can have this opportunity? And she was like, yes. And like to this day, I'm just like, and so it's like crazy because I did go to Utah to like try to launch my film career so that I could like bypass New York and LA. But then like my first like real job in the industry was in New York with, with Lee. And so it was like, so that's like, those are the years when I was like 18 and 19 were the years that I was living in New York. And so it's okay. like very different vibe than, than yeah, my, totally. my current, my current age and all that stuff. But anyway, it's just like really funny because it is, it is a very bizarre way that I kind of came into the industry because like, you know, at the time, like coming from Colorado, it was like, oh, it was like such a big jump to go out of state, even though it was just to Utah. And everyone's like, why the hell did you go to school in Utah? <laughs> but that yeah. was Sundance was a big draw. So anyway. Same. No, that was a similar experience from my small town. Like I didn't know a single person from Arizona in Utah. Probably my cousin moved up there like about four years in. But like the whole time I was up there, I didn't know anyone, you know, and, yeah. and everyone was like, why? Yeah, it was, but it's a similar thing. That that's so cool, though. Like that's such a unique story of how to like get an internship. And so, did you do those two summers when you're 18 and 19 uh, in New York with him? Yes, yeah. And uh, we were supposed to go. We were supposed to shoot a movie that second summer, um, but then it all fell apart. Like once I got there, so it was just sort of like okay, like 
and and you know so I was so I so I was like supposed like the intention that second summer was that like we were gonna go shoot a movie I was gonna be his right hand person and just like stay on that shoot with him until it finished and I was like oh okay like I'm not gonna enroll myself back in school but then it all fell apart and so I was like okay I should take my ass back to Utah and like Uh, get a degree you know it's just like one of those things but I was like I was like this close to like just working and like and I also was a person that absolutely hated school and I just wanted to be like working and like actually getting like all that experience but I'm glad that I like stuck it out of course but I just like it it was like I was just like so tempted that summer just to be like cool I'm never gonna go back I'm never gonna finish or whatever but anyway yeah that's that was every summer of college that I was like maybe I should just not go back and somehow my mom would convince me to do it and that was always a one one reason to do it um uh what what was that first summer in New York like, like as an intern? Like what did you, what sort of things did you do? Do you have any like really like crazy experiences or any um, oh uh, like big eye-opening experiences? I mean, literally every day was, because I like, I still like have no idea, like <laughs> I still have no idea like why it like worked out and like happened the way that it did because like, uh-huh. It was just really funny because like because um my boss at the time like he called me little white girl because i was the only white girl in the office of, uh-huh. like, and so it was just like every day it was just like so funny and you know he's like of course like not pc and i do and like even like to this day like he'll still kind of call me that like sort of like under the radar because it's like not something that you know it wasn't so easy to be canceled back then uh-huh. um but anyway it just was like so i mean like literally every and i had no idea i mean like it's just so funny thinking about because like since then i've had so many different jobs in the industry like I've worked as like I've worked at an agency I've worked as another you know filmmaker's assistant I've worked as a producer like I've worked like this whole thing and it's like I don't know why I was like this little bright-eyed like 18 year old able to do it because it was like I you know like I was just so unaware of all of the like super like you know, NDA things that we were talking about every day because I just like didn't like know the industry. So it was like every day, like I was like overhearing all these conversations about like all these movies that were in the works and all these like actors that were, you know, just again, like super NDA conversations. And it was like, it didn't even matter that I was in the room because I was so aloof about it all. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, wow, I was just so like, and so it was just like, it was just funny because like in a lot of ways, like it probably made me a little bit more trustworthy because it was kind of like, she doesn't even know like what she can do with this information. And like, uh-huh, and yeah. anyway, so it was just like, it's just so funny. Cause I think about it a lot. And like, I just remember um, one of my favorite memories of working with him was um, uh, he, cause Lenny Kravitz was in the movie precious and uh-huh. they were friends. And so I think it was Lenny's daughter, Zoe, like before she was like even really famous, Mm-hmm. She was in a movie, can't even tell you what it was called. Um, we went to a screening of it and Lenny Kravitz was there. <laughs> and uh, Lee introduces me to him. He's like, this is my assistant. And Lenny Kravitz is like, your assistant is very beautiful. And I, like the whole fucking world stopped. And I was like, oh my fucking God, Lenny Kravitz just said I was beautiful. And I was like, so shocked that I like couldn't <laughs> speak. And he kind of laughed. And I was like, I think you're really beautiful too. And then, and then Lee was like, wow, you really lost your shit back there. And I was like, yeah, I was like, he's the fucking hottest guy in the world. And he yeah. just said, I'm beautiful. What am I supposed to say? So that was like a really, and again, like I just had no, I mean, it was just shit like that all the time. And it's like, I just think about it. And like, I have a lot of like, 
compassion for that 18 year old that was literally just like bouncing around New York City without like any idea but it Uh also was like crazy to me because I was just so fearless and I was just so like you know like I just had no idea what I was doing but that obviously like helped because it was like if I had any idea of what I was getting myself into I probably would have like overthought about it a lot and Uh you know just like kind of messed things up for myself but it was just sort of like I was just taking every day as it came and doing whatever was asked of me and like all this stuff and so it was kind of wild and um anyway so yeah like that was that was my first taste of the industry and it was funny because like again like I didn't even know like what it really meant to work for a filmmaker like that and then Uh years later when I got recruited to work at the agency here in LA they were like oh you've worked for Lee for Lee Daniels like you've already done four tours like you've already like done this and I was like is it and then I like and I was like was that like that big of a ticket job and then I like got into the agency world and I was like oh my god like and it was like I and again like I was sort of like this bumbling idiot like in this like very intense office space and like very I mean like it very much it it is and was entourage for me like it was just Uh like super high stakes super NDA like everyone is super intense and because like I had no idea what to do with any of that information it was sort of like you know, it was just sort of like, it was all over my head and it was all like so overwhelming, but it was like, you know, it's only taken me, it took me like until after that experience to realize like, oh, I actually did have a lot of training for that, even though I didn't realize that because it was like, oh, like similarly to that experience, like it was just like, because I was such a sponge, like I was just like Uh absorbing everything and like, you know, learning everything that I could and, you know, going through it all. But it was like, if you would have told me that I would have to do all of that work and all these things, like it would have been too much, but it was just like, sort of like when you're going into something fresh, it's like, oh, well, of course I have to do this. Like, I don't know any better. I don't know any different. Like, of course I'm going to go through this super intense job or whatever. So anyway. um, Yeah, totally. Uh, What was, I mean, what was that, what was that experience like, or what was your, uh, you know, maybe something that really surprised you or blew you away in that? Like I kind of at my very best try and avoid having like job jobs. And that seems like one of the most (laughs) intense job jobs you could have, you know, working at an agency in Hollywood, that seems like pretty intense. Yeah. And it totally was like, it was like, and I mean, like, it's like still the only, well, not the only job. It's one of the only jobs I ever had where I had like health insurance and stuff. So it was very much like a big girl job um, Uh in a lot of ways. But yeah, I mean, like I, I mean, like I had also, because right before I got recruited, recruited to work there, I was working on film sets um, in Utah, like, because it was like, all I wanted was to, to be on a set. And it was funny, because it wasn't until after I graduated in 2012, that um, I ever did get on a film set. And so it was like, after I graduated college, it was like, then I was like, being a PA, I was being a director's assistant for all these random things um, in mm-hmm. Utah. Oh, no, I think my screen just froze. But anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I don't even know how to, maybe it's gonna be okay. Okay, oh, sorry. So anyway, like I was working on the, on all these film sets in Utah and I loved being like on the battlefield. Like I loved being on set. I loved being like in those crazy hours and like with all the crew and camaraderie and all that stuff. And so when I got, and we were also making movies with all my friends and we actually mm-hmm. just watched, uh, there is our 10 year anniversary. I don't know if you remember this movie of point B. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. We just all got together and watched that. And I was like, oh, oh that's my God, awesome. it's been 10 years since we made that movie. It was crazy. Um, but I was just like, I was just loving every second of just like actually making movies with people. And then when I got recruited for this job, I was like, you know, like the person that recruited me was like, 
you know, if you want to make movies like for real, for real, like you need to get out of Utah, like you need to come to LA and learn the industry. And at that point I had like avoided LA, like the plague, like I was uh-huh. like, I'm never going to live there. It's the worst place on earth, all this stuff. But she, she convinced me and I got there and, um, and I absolutely hated it. Like my first year in LA was so miserable. Like I, I hated the office environment. I hated like knowing about how all these deals were made. I hated like all the financing and all of the bookkeeping and all of the spreadsheet keeping and all this stuff. But uh-huh. something that I didn't realize until later was that like, it really was like the perfect like grad school and training ground for producing, which is what I do now. Uh-huh. Um, cause it was like, it just also like the volume of communication that we would have to deal with every day. Like it was like, you know, like so many phone calls that I'd literally wear the little headset and just like, you know, roll calls or whatever. Yeah. And so many freaking emails. So it's like just being able to handle that many messages and that many people and that many wants and needs and all that stuff. And obviously like, it's not even like my stuff that I was handling. It was for my boss. So it wasn't even like I, you know, it wasn't even like my huge burden, but just like streamlining all of it was like really good training ground for that. But I just wanted to be back on set um, Uh and back to making movies. And so um, I weirdly had a bunch of friends at the same time that were also got accepted into the American film Institute um, here in LA. And it was like, and they were a bunch of friends from Utah. There was Uh like this weird mass exodus all in the same year. And uh, so I just, they were all making their student films and I just started like asking them if I could like work on their movies, like on the weekends or whatever. And so like, I was able to like start getting back on set and like kind of like moonlighting, so to speak, as a producer on, you know, these like little tiny dinky projects, but it was like, it was enough to like cut my teeth and kind of get used to you know, actually making movies again. So, so yeah, it was, but yeah, the, the first, like the first year that I like lived here, it was just like, I hated where I lived. I hated uh, everything about my job. And then it was like, and I was like, well, I think I should just give it a second chance. And that's when I got a different job, got a different apartment. And it really, just like we were talking about at the beginning, like it really does. Like, it's crazy how just like things like that, it doesn't even matter where you live. Like as long as you're like cool with those things, it just is like, it improves your life immensely. And so I was, and I'm very happy. I gave it a second chance. Cause now I'm going on, this is my ninth year in LA, which is crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, um, I, I love how you said you avoided LA like the plague because I feel like that's what I was doing and part of why I ended up in New York and everything. And now I'm like, you know, LA doesn't sound so bad. yeah it's It's fun it's a lot of fun and it's just like yes it's expensive but like so is new york and it's like uh i I, you know and again like i just have so many like i have a whole family here now and so it's like i'm you know i'm probably never gonna leave Um, but also that being said i do take frequent breaks (laughs) like i'm constantly going somewhere and leaving los angeles for extended periods of time so it's like i'm sure that helps too because it is you know it's just a grind just like any other big city so Totally. That's how I've made New York work as long as I have is leaving for tour a few times a year and, and just getting out. It's, it's important. Um, I hear stories of people that don't leave Manhattan for like a year and I'm like that there's something wrong with you. That's, (laughs) that's like Stockholm syndrome from an abusive relationship with your city. Yeah. That's crazy. That's wild. Cause yeah. Cause like, cause when is that? Cause you were just recently on the road again, right? Yeah, I just got back, uh, let's see, two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. great. great. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was nice. 
Because, like, do you have a car in New York? Or are you just, like, or, like, who's, like, who are you going, like, what vehicle, what contraption are you going on the road with whenever you're going? Um, I have a van that I bought, like, last year. And so when it's me and the band, I've got, you know, some of the seats in there. So we, you know, can all have seat belts and, uh, and then gear and whatnot. But this last tour was just me and my dog. And so I have a cot in the back and, you know, like my camping stuff and whatnot. And so it's just like, yeah, the goal when I'm touring solo is to spend as little money on hotels as possible by sleeping in the van. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was cool. This tour, um, we on all of our days off kind of like did a bunch of hiking in Montana and Utah and, uh, yeah, it was kind of like, uh, the realization of a long time dream. I kind of realized like towards the end of it, I was like, Oh, you've been wanting to do this sort of thing where you're on tour, but like days off you're like fishing and and hiking and you've got a dog and you're just like kind of living on the road. And I've, I've been doing some variants of that for years, but this was like kind of the, the trip where it all made sense, you know, I didn't really like lose any money and um, the shows all went great and the hiking and everything was really fun. And my dog's just the best thing ever. And, you know, it was just kind of cool to be like, Oh man, you've been working at this for a long time. And it's like, this is kind of a big step for you. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's great. Like that's like, that's the best feeling when it, like when you were like, Oh, it actually like feels good. It actually makes sense to be doing yeah. Totally. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. I remember a few years ago, um, and I don't want to talk about myself the whole time, but uh, uh, the a few years ago, I was in like kind of a really rough spot. And for actually, for years, every time I talk about my music career, I'd say I felt like I was beating my head against a brick wall, and I was like making progress on getting through the wall, but like it was really destroying my face, and (laughs) you know it wasn't really worth it. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and now I don't really feel that way about, about it. You know, it doesn't feel like such a struggle or so, so much work to get so little, um, which is really cool. It's like, cause that's the worst part about that is like, at the time I remember thinking like, I can do this, I can keep doing this. I've been doing it for a long time and I can keep doing this. But that feeling of like, but if this is forever, I kind of want to do something else. Like if yeah. this is never going to get better, I don't, I kind of want to just like be a hobbyist and go like learn how to be an accountant or something like that, you know, cause like I yeah. can't do this forever, but luckily I kind of kept up with it and it's, and it's, I don't know who, who knows, you know, like it's all, that's like something, how did, how did it feel for you? Like when you first switched to producing and, and you didn't have the secure office job, like what was that transition like? It was at first like exhilarating and then it was like this huge crash and then it's like back to being like level again because it was like I just remember like when because I you know had lots of day jobs and was just like you know like I said like moonlighting as a producer Mm -hmm. and um, it was in 2016 was it 2016 yeah 2016 um, we got Snatchers greenlit which um our friend Eric obviously was like kind of who like brought me into the fold with that. And Uh um, it it was like many, it's been like many years of our lives, but we had shot a short film 
And like at the time it was like, oh, they're going to like shoot this short to try to raise money for the feature. And I was like, sure, that's what they all say. Uh And then sure enough, we shot this short and it did really well, like in the festival circuit and all this stuff. It went to South by, and then it did get picked up and we got greenlit to shoot a a season of what was very much the fad at the time, these like short form web series, Uh right? Which was like, I like, I'm still, I'm just like, wow, I can't believe that that was an era of our lives. I mean, I guess it kind of still is an era, but thank God it's not like as prominent as it used to be. Uh But, and I just remember like at the time, like I had um, a day job and I was like so excited because it was like, I had to make the choice to either like stay with the day job and potentially go to Berlin with them to shoot this movie or like, you know, take the leap and like actually do this like very low paying producer job Uh (laughs) of, you know, doing this web series of my own. And so I like did it and I was like, this is the best. Like, I love this. And like, there were times I just remember like, there were like so many times during that shoot. It was like, I'd look at my bank account and like the combined total was like $80. And I was like, (laughs) this is awful. Like, this is so stupid what I'm doing. Like, why am I like, it was just like, and again, like, it was just like, but it was like, it's all going to be worth it. It's all going to be worth it. And then we go to Sundance. We have our premiere at Sundance. And it was like, literally the year before this, I like was like, I'm not going to go to Sundance until my own movie is there. Like, I'm tired of just going as like a festival goer. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to go and I have a premiere there. And it was like the next year we went to Sundance with our premiere. And I was like, great. Like I'm a producer that has a movie at Sundance. Like I never have to worry about finding work again. And that was also like the brokest year of my life. Like that was the same year that I was like an Uber driver from time to time. I was like, you know, living just on unemployment. Like it was truly miserable. Uh Um, And like, and it took me a very long time to like, and there were lots of jobs that I applied for. I was like, okay, I've got to have a day job. Like I clearly can't just like be a producer or whatever. And I was like doing all these, like, again, just like super low paying, like stupid jobs, um, just so I could like hang on to my pride that I was a producer, like I was a Uh Sundance producer, whatever. And, um, and then it took me, I I mean, like it probably took another year or so for us to get greenlit for another season. And so then it was like, okay, okay, we made the right decision. And then it was like, and then I did have a steady paycheck. And then it was like, I had another steady paycheck. And then it was like, then the projects actually started coming to me, but there was like a very dark period of time where it was just like, what am I doing? Like, this is so stupid. Like, you know, and it was just like, but it is like one of those like sink or swim moments that like really do make or break a career. Cause it's like, that's obviously the moment that a lot of people like cannot afford to necessarily make, you know, like it's mm-hmm. like, cause like, you know, I was in a position where it's like, I don't have a family that I'm looking after. I don't have anybody else except for me, you know, to take care of. And so it was just sort of like, I actually do have like a luxury, so to speak, to exist with like this, like 80 fucking dollars in my bank account yeah, totally. the next week, you know? Um, and I don't really have that many other responsibilities other than just me. So anyway, so I mean like, yeah, it was, and then again, like it just like, it just took a really long time of, and it was miserable. Like I, I won't like lie about it. Like it was like, <laughs> It was like, like 2017 was just like a very dark time. Cause it was like, again, like, how can I have this like all time career high of like premiering at Sundance, which has been like a yeah. goal of mine for ever since I've known about Sundance. And then it was like, oh, but like, it doesn't mean shit. Like it still just means that you still have to grind and hustle and be an Uber driver and, you know, <laughs> and do these PA jobs, like whatever to make ends meet. But yeah. anyway, but I'm glad I stuck it out because now it's like, now 
it's like, you know, I do have a lot more stability, obviously. And it's like, and it has been worth it. And it's like, you know, and I, and I actually can say no to work that I don't want to do, which like, uh-huh. I never thought I'd be able to do. Like, sometimes I'll like turn yeah. down a job and I'm just like, who am I to turn down a job? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few years ago, all I wanted was just one single job offer, you know? So, yeah, totally. Anyway, yeah. Um, no, that's awesome. That's, uh, I, it's really must have been like like you said a very difficult thing to go from like this career high to like one of the most difficult years of your life or like brokest years of your life like what do you remember what did you have any sort of mantra or any sort of thing that like helped carry you through that time uh do you you know you know or was it just like I don't know anything but the work so I'm just going to keep doing that yeah I mean I literally I think I actually had a sticky note on my wall that just said keep fucking going Uh And it was just like, and that was all I could ever like say. But I mean, like, you know, obviously there were lots of, (laughs) there were also like lots of times in between where I was just like sobbing all the time because I was like, oh my God. And like, I remember my boyfriend at the time, like even like gave me like, he gave me like money to like help me. And I was like, I was raised by a single mom. And so like the whole, like, like her whole thing, like sort of the unspoken rule was if you can't do it yourself, you can't do it at all. And so Uh I was like, you are not giving me money. And he was like, you can pay me back someday. And I was like, God, this is the worst. Like my mom would be so mad at me if she knew I took money from a guy, you know, like all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like, but that was all that I could do was I was just like, keep fucking going. And it was like, and I just remember like, you know, when I was like a friggin' Uber driver or whatever, like I was just like, okay, like hopefully I just won't be a boss or like a former boss of mine that I pick up. That was always like my biggest fear. And thank God it never happened. But I was oh, like, yeah. oh my God. That was just like my, I was just like, I have to just like do it. And if like the passenger's names come up and it's a former boss of mine, I just can decline it. And I just have to keep trying to make this money. <laughs> but anyway. Totally. Yeah. That would be, that's such a like made for TV moment is like the, the old boss. <laughs> getting that like that's the low point of the film is the the old boss or co-worker getting in the uber while you're yeah not that there's anything bad about being an uber driver but you know right. like going from like you know doing that sink or swim moment and choosing and then feeling like in that moment like i made the wrong choice because exactly. you couldn't see the you couldn't see the long view of like where you would be in six months or a year uh exactly. and that's um that's like the hardest part sometimes is like you like you you're like, I know it's going to get better at some point or something's, you know, like this isn't my reality forever, but it's so hard to, to fully believe that sometime. Yeah, totally. And I just, yeah. And it was funny because it wasn't that year, but it was like the year after they got really into like self-help books. And now it's funny because now I can't even like, I like, because like from that era, people will still like gift those to me. And I just like, I will like open it. And I'm just like, Oh my God, this is all intolerable <laughs> because like, it obviously like did help me through all this stuff. But it was just like, yeah. it was just funny. Cause like there were like lots of things that I like from it I was like oh yeah like because I spent so much time being like so down to the dumps and like sad about it you know like no wonder why I wasn't like you know attracting any things that I wanted like I like I was just so like oh my god I'm never gonna I'm never gonna actually make it oh my god I need to like go back to being an assistant to somebody and all this stuff and you know and I and like you know again 
like everything like now looking back is like super clear it's like well of course I wasn't getting and I remember like applying for this job and getting interviewed by this one producer and he was like you just need to keep doing what you're doing and I was like no just let me fucking work on one season of tv with you I need this money so bad and like I just like if I ever see him again I'm just gonna be like oh my god thank you like I'm so Uh glad I wasn't your assistant for that season of tv like I'd probably still you know and again like there's nothing wrong with that but like he like it it was just because like a a couple months later is when you know we got greenlit for another series so it was like Mm -hmm. I didn't know that at the time but it was like oh thank god you know I was able to be available for that you know so anyway it's just interesting because again like you see it all so clearly now and um and again like I you know I there's obviously nothing wrong with having a day job and pursuing you know, your dream, because it's like, that's what all of us are doing. Like, even now, like, as I'm producing, like, it's not what I always want to be doing. Like, every single job, like, even today, like I told you before we got on, like, I've been like, actualizing my budget and running payroll. And I'm just like, God, I hate, I hate production. Like, I just like, there are like (laughs) still certain moments where I'm just like, God, I hate this. And like, I just want to, I just want to write, I want to have my own TV show. And I want to be like a different kind of producer, like a creative producer. So it's like, and that's what I'm like constantly working towards. But it's like, mm-hmm. I obviously like, am paying my bills doing these jobs. So it's still the same shit, but just like a little bit, you know, a little bit better title, yeah. <laughs> like a little bit, but it's like, you know, I think there's always an element of, you know, when you are somebody that working in our industry, like there's always something else you want to be doing. Like, um, you know, or not even just in this industry. Like, I guess that's probably the case for everybody. Like there's always something that you're working towards. So, um, so I'm still, you know, haven't lost any of that at all, but anyway. Yeah, no, I think it's important to have goals, especially like, uh, especially even if you get to like having the dream job or the, you know, like the show or whatnot, the, like everything's constantly evolving and constantly changing and, and you don't know it's, it's good to have something to be working towards or looking forward to, I, I believe, but yeah, you know, what, what do I know? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> At least for <laughs> me, that's, that's been useful. Um, what's the, the most difficult thing about working on movies for you? Um, the personal politics. Like, I think that, you know, like I, you can give me a mountain of paperwork and I will plow through it and I will, you know, have my, my stupid reality TV in the background and I can slay at that all day. Mm -hmm. But it's like when people um, aren't getting along, because like, obviously like when you get a bunch of artists and a lot of creative people together in a room, like they all have very strong, clear visions of something. And it is a lot to get everybody on the same page, but like at Mm -hmm. this, you know, like there's never complete unison in that because obviously every single person is so different. And so there is like, you know, there are lots of times where there are flare ups and it's like when, you know, when you're, creatives are not agreeing with one another and there's a lot of like (laughs) when there's like no harmony in the air it's like you can feel that tension and like that's my least favorite thing because it's like there's literally nothing that I can do about it like you can have a conversation about it you can open up the wound and like just like kind of talk it through but it's still always just really ugly and really hard and again it's like there's no like clear solution where it's like it's not like, oh my God, this person fucked up their time card. So I have to like unscramble the math and figure it back. You know, like those things, at least there are like clear solutions, but the things that are always the hardest are like personal politics and just like people not getting along or people, you know, like, and sometimes you're on shoots and it's just like, just because of pure exhaustion, like people just start, you know, like you really are like, you know, comrades and you're like on a battlefield together. So it's like, you see people at, you know, and like myself included, like 
you know, like you'll see me like very stressed and very, you know, very like exhausted and ugly and all these things. And it's just like, it's just like when you see those sides of people and it's just like, again, like there's not really like clear solutions other than just like getting through it. And then Uh it's like, you know, hopefully you come out in the end and it's just like, oh man, like, remember, (laughs) remember that day when you wanted to kill me or whatever. And it's like, you know, and like, hopefully you can laugh about it, but, um, but it is always like, especially as a producer, um, because everyone is coming to you with their stuff um, for the most part, like if they trust you, which like hopefully people do trust me. It's just yeah. like you kind of have to, yeah, and you have to play it nicely because there have also been times where, um, you know, I've had to fire people and it's like, and I've learned the hard way, like, you know, there are, you know, there are different, it's just kind of interesting because like on one of my first shoots, I fired an actor um, because he was accused of sexual harassment. And, um, it just was like, I immediately fired him. Like I didn't even like ask him (laughs) and it was really hard because the unions came down on me and they were like, you were supposed to take disciplinary action. And I was like, what about the zero tolerance policy? Like you shouldn't have to like discipline somebody that's like, you know, and so anyway, it just was like, it, it was so interesting. So it's like, ever since that experience, it's like, okay, like you actually do have to like, even for me, like if I hear something like that, like it obviously like flares up a lot of emotions in me. And it's like, you have to like sort of put that aside and you have to like put on your like investigative hat even though it doesn't seem right to anybody else. Like, it's just like, you do have to like actually do as like a boss and as like from an HR perspective, you have to like take that sort of a route with it. And that's Uh always hard too, because it's like, again, like I'm a person where it's like, I have zero tolerance for a lot of shit, but then it's like, Oh, like when there's like so many different entities and so many millions of dollars and so many different unions involved, it's like, you have to have a paper trail of all the things that you did before you let this person go so that you don't get sued or whatever. (laughs) And And like, for me, that's like so hard to like stop that train and be like, are you serious? Like I have to like, I have to do this stuff. And so it's like, it's stuff like that. That's really, and again, like that kind of, you know, it comes down to personalities. Like that's not even like, you know, it's, it's again, like, it's a huge problem that doesn't have like a clear solution until you reach it, you know? And so it's like, you're just kind of going through very murky waters until then. So, but you know, that's, you know, that's the, the problem, I guess, with being a boss is that you are like handling like all this like shit that comes all the way up to you. And it's just like, oh my God. And you have to like, you do have to find the best solution for everybody. It's like, you can't just like do what you think is, I mean, most of the time you can, but it's just like, generally you have to take a couple more steps before you go back to like what your intuition says. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like, there's just too many things involved, but, um, but, anyway. and whatnot. but yeah, that's definitely the hardest part. And just like, yeah. And like I said, just like, like the hardest parts are also the best parts. Like just like the pure exhaustion of it all, where it's like, you just work like an ox and you're getting home after like 14, 16 hour days. And you're just like, the only thing you have the energy for is to like shower and go to bed, you know, but it's uh-huh. like, but I also love that feeling, you know, it's like, I love like just being, um, you know, being, like I said, like on the battlefield. And I'm like, some days I'm like, like, I just had a shoot and we like had three days like in the sun. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm just too old for this shit. Or like, you know, there'll be times where I'm like waking up at like four in the morning and I'm just like, I'm too old for this shit. What am I doing? Why am I driving my car at four in the morning in the middle of the blizzard to make it to set right now? You know? And so there's plenty of stuff like that too. That's like hard. And you're just like, why am I doing this? But then, but then it's fun, you know, and then you see all your friends and you're making cool shit. And so it's like, it's always worth it in the end. Not always, but most of the time it's worth it. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And even the ones that at this point aren't 
completely worth it you get paid for it so yes exactly Still, exactly <laughs> that's um, yeah which is another beautiful thing <laughs> well and like another thing that i think about a lot because i definitely struggle with that sort of thing like my band's fighting or, or like like personal relationships or personal drama or just like dealing with like someone like a club or a bar manager or someone who's just kind of an asshole and it's like dude i just drove six hours to play here like you know yeah. what i mean you're like i don't need any of this like we're we're getting paid 250 bucks to like entertain your dinner crowd like you don't need to be an asshole about this um yeah. i'm not gonna be an asshole too you know uh, but it's important for me to remember too though is like part of why i never wanted that that office job or that straight job for 40 hours a week is because you're doing that with the same people over and over again for right. years or you're just suppressing it you know and not dealing with it because you're like i because you have to see them every day you know, at least yeah. with a shoot, you're like, oh, this will be done in two weeks. Like, Right, exactly. And that is a nice thing is like that that is one of my favorite things about it is that like I don't because, yeah, like from the few office jobs that I've had, like, yeah, you do get I do find it to be a lot more exhausting because it's like, yeah, there is no end. But like with this stuff, it's like, cool, like, let's just get through this. And then I never have to work with this fucker ever again, you know, or whatever. And then mm -hmm. it's true. Like you genuinely don't ever have to work with that person ever again. <laughs> Yeah, especially and, if you're uh, the one producing, you you can usually yeah. pick to not work <laughs> with that person again. Yes, exactly. So yeah. Um, do you have any specific stories like like when you were making making Crashers? What was that like? Because it started as a web series, you got oh greenlit God, for yeah. a second season. I've seen multiple times now, and it's fantastic. I love it. Is uh, okay. is a, a full length feature length film? I think the, a big part of the movie industry, especially to people that aren't a part of it at all, is just like they don't understand what goes on in the background. A project can be in the works for years before it becomes a thing, or or it can be reworked. Like I'd I'd love to hear more about that project journey yeah because that was definitely like and like I like it was only a part of like a very small part of like I I mean like even though it doesn't feel like a small part of the journey it's like the creators like they had snatchers in their lives for like years before we ever made it and like mm -hmm. that's why we did so yeah it started off as a short and basically they had written a movie and it was you know horror comedy like it was a very specific tone and they, like nobody was like understanding it at a script level and they were like also like new directors and so they mm -hmm. were like we should just like film this like proof of concept and that way like that can accompany the script and people will get it so and at that time I was working my day jobs and I had been working I had like weirdly produced a lot of American Film Institute movies um, even though I was not a student there, uh -huh. <laughs> there was like, there was like, you know, I just had a lot of friends that went there, which was awesome. Cause like, it was like, again, there's like really good training around. And so at that time, my friend, Eric, our friend, Eric, he asked me to come on board for that. And I was like, yeah, totally. Like I can, I can help. I'm available that weekend was kind of like my attitude about it. And, um, ended up being like, then we all like fell in work love with each other. Like it was like, uh -huh. we all just like loved hanging out and loved like, and um, anyway, and so, yeah, we shot this proof of concept and that was the short film. It ended up getting greenlit um, through a company that, um, that did the web series, like I said. And then it was funny because then that then they were like, because basically they only gave us enough money to shoot the first half of what was a feature film. And so we got greenlit for a second season, quote unquote, even though that just was the second half of the movie. So like uh -huh. when we, when we agreed to make season one and had no idea if we were ever going to make season two, it was just sort of like, 
oh please like hopefully one day we get a way to finish the story because like mm-hmm. we we're able to like finish it but it definitely like you know ended obviously on a cliffhanger for us and so anyway but it was like 2016 was when we made season one it wasn't until 2018 that we shot the remainder the remainder of it and then we also got greenlit for this like a season three which was not even written yet at the time. So we had to like write it. We had to hire other writers. And so it was like, all of us were like, cool. Like, this is going to be like, just like a series for several years of our lives. And we were like under that assumption for a while, but then the, um, but then the, uh, wow. What is the word I'm looking for? The distributor that was going to do it, like fell apart. So then it was like, Oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) just like such a classic Hollywood story. We had this, like we had all this footage. And so it was like, okay, like we can't do anything with that third season that we already shot because it was such like an offshoot and such like a random thing, but we can stitch together these two seasons and it creates this movie that we had originally created. And so that's what, that's what we did. And then that ended up premiering at South by as like a standalone movie. So it was like, it's funny because it was like at South by as a short film, then it was at Sundance as like the first half of the movie. And then it went back to South by as a feature. Oh, <laughs> like, wow. And it just was literally like five years of our lives. And like through all these different iterations of, of the story and like, but it, it, it did end up becoming what, you know, the writers originally wanted it to be, which was this feature film. And so, yeah. So anyway, so Snatchers is, I mean, like, it's just so funny because it really was like five or six years of my life, but it was like, you know, probably like eight to 10 years of the creator's lives. Cause like they were like, you know, they've been working on it forever and like they were trying to get it off the ground and like, they just like put their own money into it. And we're just like, we're just going to try to make people understand like what we're going for by just shooting uh-huh. just like one part, you know, that'll hopefully sell it. So anyway, yeah, it was kind of wild. And it was like, it was on HBO for a while. And now, um, now it's just on Amazon and a bunch of other things. But anyway, but yes, it exists out there in the world as a feature. And it's really fun. It still is like, I mean, like it obviously will always be one of my favorite experiences. And I still have one of the snatchers, one of the creatures um, uh-huh. with me, even though his legs are starting to fall off and he looks oh, pretty no. bad, but that's okay. <laughs> that's <laughs> one day a... I'll get him fixed. <laughs> I I loved it. I watched that movie, I think twice within the first week that it came on HBO oh God, because I like really enjoyed it. <laughs> And then I wanted to show my brother, and so we watched it again. And I was just like, "Man, it's!" I was just so proud of you guys, like oh, wow. so well, stoked. Um, yeah, if any, if you, anyone hasn't seen it, you should sh- look for Snatchers because it's it's fantastic. It's a great, well, thank you. great yeah. feature. Um, what's uh, something that you've learned about being a boss that you would like, or advice you would give to someone trying to get into producing? Um. Definitely to, like I was just kind of talking about, like definitely like try to listen to all sides of every story before you exert your emotions, which is something I'm constantly uh, relearning, I feel like, because again, like I'm a very like reactionary person. And so it's always like, (gasps) like whenever I hear like bad news, like I always have like my, Mm -hmm. my first like um, instinct. Um, And yeah, and I mean, like you do have to listen to what people need and like something that my, um, something that. I can't remember if my dad is who told me about it or if my dad just also loves this phrase, but um, it's, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And I'm a big believer in 
hiring people that know what they're doing and, you know, listening to what they need and what their perspective is. Cause it's like, yes, like there is a part of being a producer that you have to sort of wrangle expectations and like, you know, there's always a budget or a schedule to, to work within the parameters of, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, like if you have really strong people on your team and really smart people, like you you're in the right hands. And so it's like, and obviously, like I said, like there's always a budget or schedule parameter to be working with. So it's like, you can't always hire like the absolute best of the best, but it's like, but there are still like, you know, when people are excited to work on something, you know, like you obviously like you can sometimes work with like the best of the best, even though it's not at the rate that they totally deserve and all this stuff. And I hate doing that, but you know, it does happen quite a bit. And, um, it just is like, again, like just trust the people around you and like, you know, to a certain extent, like, obviously, like, there are lots of people that, you know, take advantage of that trust, but it is really all about assembling the right team and having the right people and listening to what they need, because it's like, they, they know what they're doing. Because it's like, I'm never like, we worked on a movie last year, where there was a flash flood sequence. And it's like, I'm never going to assume a budget for what that could possibly cost. Like, I'm going to talk to that special effects person and be like, yeah. how do you even how do you even do this yeah like and so and it's like when you're on set and you're actually watching it happen it's like yeah I would never I Ellie Ligursky would never know that it would take however many ton, like water ton trucks of water to do this and they would have to build this dam you know and like all this stuff and like have a team of however many people like it's like you have to you have to listen to that special effects person who's like probably done it a couple times before um and same with, you know, a lot of stuff, like there was even like earlier this year, I had a shoot where like there was a balding cap and like, cause the, the actress was playing somebody that had cancer. And to me, a bald cap sounds like the worst, hardest, longest process in the world. And like, you talk to like a hair and makeup person, they're like, oh my God, I would love to do that. Like they just need to come with their hair in a particular way. And then like, we just need to like airbrush it and like, it'll take like an hour. And I'm like, oh my God, it's not an eight hour endeavor. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's like, what do I know about this shit? And it's like, obviously like lots of other people know, you know, like that's why you have the different departments and why you have the different department heads. And, you know, again, like you have to like wrangle certain times, but it's like at the most, like, it's just like, you just have to talk to people and like listen to what they need and figure out how to make it all work with what you have. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's just always an ongoing conversation, but, um, but yeah, I always am just, I'm just a huge believer. And like, and also like, you know, again, like the whole personal politics of it all, like if you have the right people on your set and everybody's like, you know, a good vibe, it's like obviously going to be a much better experience overall. And so like, I'm also a big believer in, you know, kind of trusting your gut with like hiring somebody. Cause it's like, even if they do seem like they are more experienced or, you know, have been under budget a hundred more times than this person who's actually going to like, you know, kick ass and just needs to be given a chance to do Mm -hmm. it. You know, it's like, you sometimes do have to listen to that intuition of yours. Um, But again, it's like listening to people and, you know, what they're bringing to the table um, when they are wanting to work with you or whatever, or not wanting to work with you for that matter. (laughs) You can also pick up on that pretty easily in a lot of conversations too. So yeah, that's what I would. Yeah. And then, um, and yeah, and like another thing that I, um, is just like learn your friggin' budgeting softwares because it's gonna be your best friend. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> even though I hate it so much and I know I keep talking about it, but it's just like, it really is like your best friend throughout a shoot and just like, you know, do it as you go. Like, oh, like, don't wait until the last day when your pile of receipts is to the ceiling or whatever. It's like, it's like such a dumb piece of advice, but it's like, it's just so helpful because like every single day your higher ups are going to be like, where's the budget at? Where's the budget at? And I, you know, I, I hate saying, I don't really know right now. <laughs> yeah. But, so you have to, you have to have your shit together. So it's like, you just, the only way to do it is to do it as you go. So anyway, that's like a very like brass tax piece of advice, but it's true. No, that's, I, the, I'm so, my tours are so fly by the seat of my pants that like, or like by the end of a tour, I'll like, I'll like pay the guys or whatnot and then like go through and then do all the budgeting or see like how much I spent, like what's the damage or how much did I make and whatnot. And I tell myself I'm going to just do it every day on tour and by like day seven or eight, I'm just, I just stop doing it. And it, um, it's a real problem, but like that kind of advice is, it's like the same thing as like make your bed every morning and stuff like that, like, or exercise because you feel better and you're more fun to be around and it's good for you. Like, yeah you're just told that your whole life you're like yeah but like the the arrogance of youth may make at least for me was like i'm whatever 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 and then eventually like i'll start keeping a budget every day because because it's going to really benefit me to do that it's it's good and good advice like get your oil change in your car you know like (laughs) yeah and it's like it's so hard because like also like it's also funny because like when I'm working like it's like and I don't know if you are similar but it's like everything in my personal life just like falls to the wayside like it's like Uh I'll come home you know on shoot days and it's like you know like the dishes in my sink are like to the ceiling and like there's like you know just dirty clothes everywhere and it's just like god I hate that I'm like this but it's like when you're trying to keep everything else together it's like all of that shit falls to the wayside so it's like I feel like you know I keep up with that advice to a certain extent but then it's like just don't look at my apartment because it looks disgusting because it's like everything is just falling apart and like anyways it's just funny because I I say that but it's like wow everything I mean like because there is always a give to that like you can't give everything 100% so you know just kind of giving yourself grace with little things like that too is important even though I'm very much you know I'm very much a person that doesn't give myself enough grace with that kind of stuff. Cause I'm just mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, I'm disgusted with who I am in my apartment right now. <laughs> I am that way too. Or like the other day I had a kind of a similar experience or like I got, you know, I'm eight or nine days home from tour and all day long, I'm just in a bad mood and I feel like I'm not going to get anything done. And I'm like, and a part of me, like a very small voice in the back of my mind, just like, dude, you should just smoke weed and play Mad Men today or, or like watch Mad Men or play video games. Like you should play guitar. Like don't, don't worry about getting a bunch of things done today because you're just not going to. Your your brain's not going to let you. But I just resisted it all day until like 6, 7 o'clock at night and just had a shitty day when there was nothing pressing that needed to be done. And so, like, I don't know. Sometimes you got to give yourself that balance or it's hard when you're used to just being like the the workhorse or working like an ox and just work, work, work to not like to let yourself take a break. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's always funny, because like, that's like the number one thing I need after 
any like whether it's like the end of a shoot or just like the end of a shoot week or whatever it's like I just have to let myself sleep or else I like will freak out you know it's just like your brain uh-huh. you know, like it, I have to like and I'm not a good sleeper like I try really hard to be better at sleeping and all this stuff and so it's like I'm just like a very like a person that will do like six or seven hours a night but it's like but then, like, when I'm exhausted, it's, like, I can sleep for, like, 12, 13, 14 hours. And it's, like, wow, mm-hmm. I definitely needed that more than anything. So it's, like, yeah, just, like, put all the shit to the side if you can. Like, because, yes, like, until you're, like, recovered, it just doesn't make sense. So. Totally. Well, and, like, I guess it's, you know, something's got to give at some point, you know. And uh, it's important. Like, you're going to last longer as a whole, you know, looking at things, like, the the big picture you're going to be able to make more movies and as a whole or, or going to be able to work more days if you take care of yourself the days that you need to be taken care of yeah exactly so anyway it's always a tough reminder because this i like like obviously like we could talk for days about like how like productivity and capitalism and all this bullshit is like conspiring against us like not uh-huh, taking yeah. breaks you know but it's like but it is like i I am reminding myself more and more that it's like, oh, like I actually can just take today to like fuck off and go to the park with friends and then go to a movie. And, you know, like that was like this last Saturday. And it was like, like there were quite a few times where I felt like almost guilty about it. And I was like, wait, Mm -hmm. I've been working nonstop for like two weeks. Like I can do this day, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I have that problem too. And sometimes because, because aspects of my job are so cool, especially like, you know, when I'm on tour and whatnot, aspects of it are like, it just feels like vacation. And like from the outside point of view, it looks like vacation, but like, it's a lot of work, especially when I'm out there by myself, I've got to, and with my dog, I got to take care of him as well. But I'm also acting as tour manager. I'm like guitar tech. I'm, I'm pedal tech, you know, like I make sure all the equipment works. I carry it all in. I sell the merchandise, blah, blah, blah. It's like a, it's a lot of work, but because of like, small town western whatever you want to call it this idea of like working hard is is not what i do or like being on tour isn't a job like i i'll get home and be like now i gotta like work and like hustle to do other things to make money which is like true because usually i don't come home with like a bunch of money to take time off but i should just let myself have a day here and there you know yeah totally that's why you bring up like the like like whole like mentality of like growing up like because my because my family are a lot of ranchers and like a lot of mm-hmm. like people that like you know in extremely strenuous physical labor is a sign yeah. of work and so it's like it's just funny because like sometimes and you know like and my dad is a farrier so he's like he's shoeing horses every day and so he's like literally doing backbreaking work every day and it's just funny because sometimes I'll visit his house and I'll just be like you know like on my computer and he's just like god I don't know how you do it you do it I'm like god I don't know how you do it you do it <laughs> it's just like funny because it's like it's you know like it's taken like this long for it and, and like not that he's like one of these people like he's never like you know made me feel like I don't work hard or whatever but it just is like mm-hmm. one of those things where it's like wow that's just so funny because like I just would never like I would see I like I would see him very much like seeing like sitting on a couch typing away on a computer is like not really working hard and that is like you know when you grow up with a lot of people like that it is hard so it's like this weird like battle but it's like oh that's not even something that somebody has said to me it's just like something that I like grew up being around so I'm like oh like I'm still not working hard enough because I'm not you know mm-hmm. throwing bales of hay over a fence every day or whatever totally so yeah anyway. 
Yeah. No, and there's that that aspect. It's like I mean, we also go into toxic masculinity and and things like that that are why our dads have never taken a day off or don't know how right. to or you know, it's like there's it's uh it's kind of sad in a lot of ways that you know, I I love my stepdad to death, but he's such a man's man and I'm like a part of me is like I know that was ingrained from my grandpa and from his and my grandpa's dad and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's been kind of passed down in a way, but I'm also like, dad, you're missing out on so much of life. Like if variety is the spice of life, you miss out on it just so you can fit inside this, this like small thing that is a man, you know, or like your idea of it, you know? Um, And not that it's time to talk shit on that too much, but you know what I mean? It's just like, I guess to, to transition that into like coming from a very small town and now living in Hollywood, like you've, and living in New York city and and whatnot, like you've experienced a lot of different things. Uh, What's it like going back home or like seeing, seeing like people in your hometown and whatnot? I absolutely love it. There was quite a while that I like, I really like tried to like shut down that part of myself. Like I was almost like not embarrassed, but I just don't like want people to know that I was like a country bumpkin once upon a time. Uh And now I've like really come, like come back to reclaim it. And it is like, it is truly like, I mean, like probably because I'm only there for small pockets at a time, but it is like a vacation when I go back there and it's like, there's so much about it that I really love. And um, there's actually like a project that I'm working on is very much centered in the rodeo world, which is oh, like cool. something that's like only, you know, it's like, that's something that like a lot of people have not experienced. And it's yeah, like yeah, such totally. a huge part of the communities that I grew up in. And so it's like, that's a really cool thing. That's like so niche and specific to like places that I grew up in. And so it's like, there's, there's like still, and like, and obviously like, I grew up in Wyoming and Colorado and Utah. And so it's like, all those places are also just like absolutely gorgeous. And it is mm-hmm. like a vacation and a reprieve from being busy in the city. It's like, even just like driving in a car and being able to like exceed 30 miles per hour when you're driving in these places, like yeah. feels so fun. Cause it's like, I'm just so used to being in traffic jams and like not getting to places quickly and like not seeing, you know, like you probably know all about this. Just like, there's something very freeing about the open road. And it's like, yeah, when you go out totally. to those places, that's all you've got is open road, open country, all this stuff. And so I really do love it. And, um, and yeah, like it is, it is funny because like most people, you know, in my family and that I grew up with, you know, like, or like, you know, that I'll see after many years, there's like, Oh, you still live in Los Angeles. It's like, yeah. Like, Oh God, that must be hell. And it's like, yeah, like I get it from that perspective. Like I, I totally understand where they're coming from. Cause for a long time, I also thought that, and it's just like, Mm -hmm. it is, you know, just a very different, very different vibe, but I still like, you know, and one of these days, my brother and I always talk about it. Like, we really do want to like own a place in the. We grew up in a town called Ten Sleep in Wyoming. Oh and, yeah, and uh, two hundred and eighty-six people in their population, or maybe it was even less than that the last time I was there, which was the summer. I was like, I was surprised because the like in Wyoming, all this, all the towns have the signs with the population right outside. Uh-huh. And it did dip down. I want to say it was like 246 or something when I was there. And I was like, oh, my God, Dang. <laughs> I've lost 40 people since the last census. But anyway, um, but yeah, like my brother and I are always talking about like we need to like own a house or something intensely because it really is just like, you know, it's just absolutely beautiful and just yeah. you know, in the middle of nowhere. Like it's like no one's going to find you intensely. But it's like as long as I have Wi-Fi, like I'll be good. <laughs> yeah, know? like. 
Well, and there's a lot of like that's like access to a ton of outdoors stuff, right? I, yes. I almost played at Ten Sleep Brewery on this oh last board, but but it ended up not working out, so I didn't. But I'm like, people told me they're like, dude, that town is just mostly like people that are there to either like guide people on the river or rock climbing or whatnot, or to just go do that. Yeah, it's all just outdoors people, and then a few locals. Yeah, exactly. That is so funny because, yeah, my brother and I like loaded up on Tensley Brewery merch when we were there this summer because it's like, because that was definitely a recent development. Like, it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, that few people, but three bars in the town. And like the other Mm -hmm. two bars have been there since the beginning of time, but like the brewery just popped up out of nowhere. And it's very cute. It's very cool. Um, It's like in a big old barn, like set up against like the red rocks. It's gorgeous. Like, anyway, I love Tensley with my whole heart. And so, anyway, like we keep saying, like, oh, we've got to like buy property there or something but who even knows like all these like billionaires are buying property there now so i'm like can we even afford it (laughs) which is like crazy it's like seriously can i i was like looking at stuff you know every time i'm in salt lake i think about oh maybe i should just move here because my life would just be so much easier here it's just like an easier place to live in a lot of ways than especially new york city and i have like just a vast network of friends and people that like me and care about me there in New York sometimes feels like it's just shrinking month by month because people are just leaving and I'm not like out making new friends like I don't I don't bartend anymore I don't really drink anymore so like I'm not like out doing things to make friends and so it's like maybe I should just move back to Utah and then I look at like housing prices there and I'm like maybe I maybe I could afford a house in Evanston Wyoming and drive an hour when I want to when I want to hang out with my friends. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Crazy. Cause yeah, it is like, it's just, yeah, it's totally wild. Cause Salt Lake is very much like that. Like I'm just always like, cause I have friends that are there and they are buying houses and stuff. And it's like, wow. I mean like it's obviously cheaper than LA or New York, but it still is like, damn that's and the same with like all my family in Denver. Like the, anyway, it's, it's wild how it's just like, Oh, maybe I'll just never be a homeowner. <laughs> which is actually fine by me. Like, I, I really don't have any interest in doing that yet. Like, I'm just like, cause like this time last year, like my apartment had this whole like disaster, like the unit above mine flooded. And it was like, they had to pay me for the inconvenience and I didn't have to like do anything. And I was like, I would have fucking hated if I was a homeowner and I was dealing with something like that. So I was like, yeah. I'll just always be a renter. <laughs> yeah, Maybe there's nothing wrong with that. It. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it is, especially if you stay in LA, you know, or if I stayed in New York, it's like, yeah, I probably won't ever own anything. Everything's insane, you know, unless, unless I somehow have some songs that a lot more people start listening to. Yeah. Yeah. And until, yeah. Until I become like, I, that's like my goal. I'm just like, God, I just want to be able to like make one big movie or one show a year. And then like, and then Mm -hmm. like, then the rest of the year I could like fuck off and also be able to, but then it's like, I don't even know if I was making that much money, if I would buy a house. Cause it's like, okay, there's, I would probably just be traveling all the time. You know, it's just all Mm -hmm. about what you want to spend money on, I guess. But anyway. Who knows? Yeah, totally yeah. about what you want to sp- spend money on, I guess. Uh, that's when, you know, when I have someday in the future, when I have some money, I'll, I'll let you know what, what it's <laughs> if like. If you buy a house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know what, what that decision's like if I someday get to a point where a bank would give me enough money to buy a house nice okay cool yeah please because inquiring minds are dying to know because yeah yeah i i fucking don't know (laughs) i don't know but like that you know if you find a good place to rent and uh you're gonna be in a place like la especially when you're traveling around a lot for work do you leave town a lot for work yes yeah um more often than i mean like yeah it's funny because i feel like 
most of the things that I actually work on are outside of LA. Like I, there are like lots of like commercials and stuff that I'll do here, like little shorter term gigs, Mm -hmm. but all the long-term things I'm generally out of town for. So that's the other thing is that like, sometimes my apartment is literally just like a storage unit of Uh (laughs) my, my non-essential items that can't fit into a suitcase, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So that's the other reason why I'm just like, I don't know if I would ever have a house because it's like, it's just easy to have an apartment that literally acts as a storage unit. Like there was one year that I was gone for like nine months out of the year and it was just like, why would I ever, you know, be spending that on something more expensive than this little studio apartment that I had at the time, you know? So totally. Yeah. No, that's a, I mean, it is, that is kind of part of why I wanted to start this podcast is just interviewing people and talking to them, uh, people who decided to like do a, a less traditional career path or spend a lot of time traveling or, or make that decision of like, I want to live in this small, like this, I don't mind living in this apartment. That's not like the most glamorous because I love traveling. I have friends that like, they save every single penny that they possibly can while they're working that way they can be gone for like six months a year. And it's yeah. like, um, it's badass. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's, it's all about making those compromises or that decision and making it a priority. What does your ideal work-life balance look like? You know, like if, if you were to say 2023 is going to be the beginning of the rest of my life of everything being perfect, what would it look like in 2023? Oh my God. I, I mean, like I would genuinely love, like I, I like one day, you know, cause like I have like my hero is Bernadette Caulfield, who is like one of the producers of Game of Thrones. And she's like the mm-hmm. photo on like my uh, laptop backdrop. Um, and anyway, like I would love to like work on a show like that where it's like, you really are just working on like one thing. Cause like, I feel like I work on too many things at once and like, not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's like, you know, I would love to just have that stability of like, okay, I'll like, and I have a couple of shows that I'm trying to sell. And so it's like, if I could just like sell one of those and like work on one thing for like six to nine months out of the year, and then just like fuck off and do nothing for the other three months. Like I kind of achieved that this year, even though it wasn't just because of one project, but like, I was just like traveling all summer and that was amazing. And like, it's kind of funny because I like just got into my first job after traveling for the whole summer. And it was like, I've been joking with my friends, like every like task feels like an attack. Like, I'm just like, oh, why am I working? <laughs> like, this is the worst. But it's like, I obviously have to work, you know, like I have to do something. I can't just always be traveling or whatever. But, um, but yeah, like that definitely was like a great thing to just be like, not stressed about money or like you know like or just like getting another job ever for like three months and it was like I actually was like turning down work as I was traveling it's like oh sorry like my all the women in my family are going to a yoga retreat next weekend and oh no my friend's getting married in Mexico that weekend and oh my other friend's getting married in England so it was like it was like a banner summer and stuff and I really did like love having that luxury and I you know I realized that is a huge luxury to be able to do that because a lot of people can't afford to just like fuck off for a few months but Mm -hmm. um, but yes that that would be like I would love to have just another year like that but maybe just with one project instead of several like I still like I keep like a I keep a running tab of like all because like I'm freelance and so it's like I don't work for a particular company obviously and it's a different payment every single time it's a different company every single time so it's like I have to just keep like a google doc of like 
every job that I've done, what days I worked and how much money I'm making. And it's like, I would love to just have like one job that's the same for like six to nine months. So I'm not just like happy to constantly be like, okay, what did I make on this job? And like, did I make overtime? Like whatever. And so it's like, I would love to just like, that's like maybe the one thing I would change is just to like have one big project that I work on next year. Um, But still, but you know, but also that being said, like, the you know when I am working just like we've been talking about like it is like working like an ox so maybe you know also having that stability of just having the one project where it's like a consistent schedule will also Mm -hmm. alleviate that a little bit because like you know I have worked on shows like that like when we were doing snatchers and stuff or even like the feature I worked on last year like it's like when you like know what your schedule is going to be every week it's really nice it's like oh Mm -hmm. I do know if I could have dinner with people that night or I do know if I could like you know go like go hang out this weekend or whatever. Whereas like, you know, some shoots, you're just like, I have no idea when I'm going to wrap. I have no idea when I'm available to see my friends. Like Mm -hmm. I'll I'll see you on the other side. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, that would be, that would be the other goal next year is to just, again, have like one sort of consistent thing that, um, that will carry me through, but then also, you know, have time to just do whatever I want, which would be great. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Do you, um, do you, so you're do you negotiate your rate for all of these these individual jobs and if it's getting too personal then we we don't have to go over this stuff it's just interesting to me because you you don't have like an agent or something that like a producer yeah. agent is i'm sure that's a thing but it is like as a I producer, would love one yeah yeah anyone out there has got a a friend who's a a producer agent i know god that would be the best because yeah i'm like i'm getting to that point in my career and i do have friends that are producers that do have agents and i'm just like okay i need to just like start doing that because it is like it's truly the wild west and like i'm sure Mm -hmm. it is for you too like it's just like when you're a freelancer like it's like every single project is coming to you for all these different budget ranges and so it's just kind of like you have to kind of decide like what's worth it to you and like the one thing that I like put which like this doesn't even feel like I put my foot down on this but like a a few years ago I was like I am not working for free anymore like I am not working on people's passion projects for free anymore and like and it does kill me sometimes it's like you know like projects that I really like with people I really like, you know, like they'll approach me with like different things they want to do. And it's like, damn, like I would love to do that. But it's like, after a certain point, it's just like, you just can't work for free anymore. And so it's like, I did put my foot down on that. But then it's like, there are still like really tiny projects where I'm just like, oh, like, you know, I'll do that for a very discounted rate for you, but I still need to make it like worth my time. But then it's like, you know, it's just, it's so hard to make those deals for yourself. So it would be so great to have like somebody do that for you. But like, but yeah, like literally every show is or every commercial, everything that I work on is just a totally different scenario. So it's like, you just kind of have to know what the ballpark is. And like, honestly, like more people should talk about money because it's like, I've only recently gotten in the habit of like asking fellow producer friends, like, so what do you charge for a shoot mm-hmm. like this or the budget yeah. like this? Because it's like, it is such like a, I don't know. It's just like a, a lot of things like, you know, enough people don't talk about like, you know, what, what are the three? It's like, sex money and i can't remember the other politics, thing politics probably yeah politics probably yeah. <laughs> so it's like not enough people like talk about it so therefore it's like every conversation like i i've just like i've just like started like being like oh i don't have to be so awkward when it comes to like asking for more money and it's like also like i also think about it like from a from a perspective of a producer like it's like people are constantly negotiating rates with me and it's like if i honestly don't have the money i don't have it and i just tell them that so it's like well, they'll like, what's the worst thing they can do is tell me no, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so yeah, like it it really is a totally different scenario. And like, 
but again like it would be so great to have an agent that just like does all that shit for me and is like oh and like by the way and like I also like have been on travel jobs where it's like I for some reason I'm the only one that's flying coach while everyone else is flying business and they're like little things like that and it's like damn like that is so weird and dumb like why like why did I get the short end of that stick and so it's like just having an agent that like knows that it's like oh you have to just like demand those things and get it in writing and all that stuff and like not stuff that I'm incapable of but it's just nice to have a bulldog for you you know that does yeah totally (laughs) no that's that's the truth I've I've been doing a lot of work for like bands, like uh, production work, like bigger bands and stuff like that. And I just got an offer, offered like a job just driving a band around for a couple weekends next month. And I just like, I don't know what to charge for that. You know, like, I, yeah. I like, you know, and I, I just ended up throwing out a number that I was like, I, this is what it would make it worth it to me. It seems a little high, but it's like, this would be great. And they got back and like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I was like, sweet. Great. You know? <laughs> Yeah. But then sometimes they're like, oh, that's way too high. And you're like, ah, I just shot myself in the foot because, you know, because I always assume everything's in a ne- negotiation. But, you know, sometimes people hear that number and it's higher than what they want to do. And they're just like, OK, we'll just find someone else. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that yeah. is just the life of too. a freelancer. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, like, like I said, like, I've only just gotten to the point where I like can actually like turn down jobs. And so it's like, I always like, and it took me a while to get to that point. Because it's like, when you are like, so unstable for a while, you obviously are very insecure. And so it's like, you do have to know that like, oh, like, you know, the whole like, know your worth, like, it sounds Uh cheesy, but it's true. Like, it's just like, you can walk away from shit that is not going to pay you what is worth your time, you know? Um, but again, like there still are certain things that I'm just like, oh, I love it too much. Like I'll do it for a little bit of a discount, but I won't do it for too much of a discount, you know? Um, totally. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, I've, yeah, I, I do think like I've only recently gotten in the habit of like asking other producer friends of mine, like, oh, okay, this commercial approached me. Is this rate too low? And so I, I'm a big believer in just like actually talking about it because not enough people do. Yeah, I think I mean more people need to talk about money if that's another thing that we could uh we could change with our generation moving forward. It's just like talk with your coworkers about money and like what people are getting paid. Uh because that's how like if if someone's kept in the dark, they're probably getting screwed over. Right. You know, and that's uh um yeah, it's I mean I, that doesn't really uh, vibe with my ethics you know, is someone getting screwed over, you know, like people get paid different rates and whatnot because there's different jobs that, you know, require different skill sets and whatnot. I get that. But like keeping someone in the dark just so you can like make some extra money or screw them over is like, that doesn't vibe with me. Right. Yeah. And again, like, it's just like, and yes, you have to take all those things into consideration, but then it's also like, I also am just like, well, if they don't have the money, they don't have the money. But the worst thing that you can be told is no. Um, but yeah, but I also, yeah, it, but yes, to your point, like, it's just like sometimes and you do get that feeling very quickly of like, Oh, like, am I the only one that's not getting this, this, <laughs> this rate? And it's like, you have to trust that little spidey sense what it is. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's generally, you know, speaking to you for a reason. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and like, usually when I've been, it's someone getting kept in the dark I, my experience, that's usually more corporations or like, yeah, that are like with salaries and whatnot. Um, like the pay gap and, and everything like that. That's, uh, you know, that all seems, I mean, it, it exists in every industry, but I see it happening at least when I had more job jobs in the past. Oh, yeah. Um, don't talk about money at the water cooler or whatnot. Yeah, totally. <laughs> All that bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the the office politics that that I can't I can't do that sort of stuff. 
Yeah. I've never asked this question before. I've never had a producer on the podcast before, but can you remember one of your favorite days on set ever? Oh my God. That's a great question. <laughs> it's funny because the first thing that's popping into my head is not even a time that I was a producer. Um, and any time would be... Uh, well, okay. So one of the times that I was producing was when my dad came to visit and it was really funny. Cause I'm sure he, I mean, like he was obviously just like super bored, but he came uh-huh. and visited, <laughs> which like, you know, it's like funny. Cause like it, and like, I also had this, a friend visit that same set and it's just like, like actually like visiting a movie set is super fucking boring, but like, uh-huh. I like, it's just like, Oh, like it's just all very slow and all it's like repeated stuff over and over again. But my dad, I actually had a lot of family come and visit because we were shooting in Albuquerque and that was all like within driving distance of a bunch of my uh-huh. family. So they were all visiting. And um, anyway, it was just funny because I just remember my dad came to set and uh, we were doing a stunt for like one of the actresses like crashed against the wall. And I was like, oh, this will be a great thing for him to see. And he just like, he stopped by and was there for like a few minutes. We took some photos. He like held one of the statues. And it was just like, so, and like, that was also a day that we were like on a stage and there was like a bunch of like construction happening. So it looked like I was like a bigger deal than I was. And I was like, this is really fun to like show my dad, like, oh, this is what I do. Like, you know, beyond just like typing furiously at a computer or whatever. Uh-huh. But he was like, he was like, this is really cool. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to work. But it was still like one of my like favorite dates just to be able to like show that to him and um do all of that um but yeah I mean like another um another really great day was um there was this short that I did I can't remember what year it was I think it was 2017 and the short was called what bitch and Mm -hmm. it's all it was by this filmmaker and it's based on like this very like it was a family legend, a legendary family story about like when he was a little boy in Bakersfield, California, and we shot at the actual location that this all went down when he oh, was a cool. little boy. <laughs> he like there, he and his, um, his family were at a thrift store and some lady hit him, like some like random customer hit him and his aunt beat the shit out of this woman. And it's like this crazy, like, and so it was like this like crazy, like family story about like, and anyway, like, and it was just like, it's just such a, like a great story. Cause it's like, it's all about family, all about protection, all this stuff. And obviously it was like very like escalated because this woman just gets into a fight, but like we shot at the actual location where this all went down and we had a process trailer, which is what you use when you're doing driving shots. Like it's like, you like park your picture car onto the trailer and like the whole camera team is on that same trailer and uh-huh. it looks like you're driving for those who don't understand maybe you know what a process trailer is but for those who don't know so it's like whenever you see like a driving shot like or not all the time but when it and it looks like you're on the road with them but anyway so we were like driving all through this like small town on this process trailer and like the whole town like was so excited about it and like the local news like joined us on the process trailer and they were like what's going on with this <laughs> it was just like so endearing and so amazing because it was like the whole town knows this story the whole family knows this story a lot of the director's family was also like working on the movie with us and it was just like a really like I was like wow this is a really great day like this is just like so like cute and fun and like 
you know, and then like, and then the whole movie ends with like him interviewing his aunt about like the real life incident. She's like telling the story and she's like so into it. And it's like, and so that was like definitely one of my like favorite like onset experiences. And But that day uh-huh. in particular, when like the local news crew like hopped on the process trailer with us, I was like, wow, this is the best. <laughs> awesome. That is so yeah. cool. Oh, that sounds like a really good day. <laughs> Yeah, it was just like, wow, this is why you make movies. It's just like fun shit like that, you know? And anyway, but there's always, I mean, like, there's always like, and that's the thing is like, I I genuinely do feel like, and I have a, a sticky note on my fridge that says make my own movies with my own people. And I do tend to like work with the same group of people when I can, uh-huh. like as often as I can. Cause it's like when you're like working with people that you like love and trust and like really enjoy hanging out with, it's like every day is pretty fun. You know, like every day is like, a great silly day um and so like there there are lots of like little moments in between but like as far like those are like the two that are standing out because then there's like another day on set where I wasn't even producer this is back in my PA days and um were you ever recruited to work on gold fever when that came to town Uh, that was uh (laughs) I want to say that was like after I had moved or but I knew a lot of people that worked on that it was this discovery channel thing and uh-huh. it was like, it still is like one of like some of the worst days on set I've ever been on were there because it was so miserably cold. And we were oh, just man. like, you know, in like knee deep snow and like, just like sludge. Anyway, it was just a hard fucking shoot. And at one point I was the director's assistant on that. And um, the hair and makeup team were like, you should be a saloon girl. And I was like, Oh my God. And I had this like very beautiful vision in my head of what a saloon girl could be. And this is also the first place where I met our friend Eric Fisher. Not the first place that I met him, but like I think this is the first thing we ever like worked on together because okay. he was on camera team. And so <laughs> still like one of my favorite photos of me on set was one that he took that day. But like they made me into a saloon girl, so to speak, but it was like a gold rush era whore. And it was like, <laughs> I they like put me in this corset, which like is the worst thing in the world to be like in a period. Uh, era corset because it actually like squashes all of your organs and they like painted my teeth brown like they used this like makeup so it looked like I had rotted teeth and then they like put my hair up and then like yanked it out and it was just like it was so like I looked so gross (laughs) and Eric Eric just took a photo of me as I was walking into set I'm like standing outside next to this like fucking ladder and it's like one of the funniest photos of me because he just like was like oh my god and so and I just remember so many days from that shoot because again I was like oh my god a saloon girl is gonna be so fun and I was just so fucking nasty and miserable the whole time (laughs) and I was with all my friends like all my friends were like on the camera team like making fun of me and like I just remember like the director wanted like he wanted me to like bend over because they was like we were in a saloon and all the guys were like playing poker in the scene Mm -hmm. right and he was like just lean over and he wanted like a cleavage shot or whatever but I actually couldn't bend at the waist in this fucking corset so I'd have to like (laughs) scoot my hips all the way back and like fall onto the table and it was like so dumb and I was like wow being an actor is so hard <laughs> like you shouldn't like I just like from that day I'm just like wow actors really do have it fucking rough like maybe it's it looks like yeah yeah it's like maybe they do spend a lot of time just in their trailers or sitting around but it's like when they have to do shit like that it's like wow that sucks like I have <laughs> I have so much like sympathy, not sympathy, empathy, whatever. I guess yeah. a little bit of both because I'm not actually an actor. But anyway, it was just funny. I was like, wow, 
I really, I really respect them a lot more after that day because that was a terrible fucking shoot day. <laughs> yeah, there's. Yeah. I've been, I've been roped into acting in a in a handful of things, and I, I definitely <laughs> always like really enjoy it because I do. I am a little bit of a ham, but there's definitely a a very specific type of person it takes to do something like really difficult as an actor or something really embarrassing or whatnot and to just like do it with like with gusto and just be really into it and stoked that they're doing it and i'm it's like yeah i don't i don't know if i like acting that much like yeah. I don't, I, that's why i never like tried acting I, I, there was a point in my early to mid 20s i took some classes in at the u and whatnot and people were like you, you're good at this you should do more of this and i was considering it and then you know you have those experiences where you're like this is actually kind of like demeaning and not very fun and like and it's not and i don't feel and when you're not invested in the craft i'm just right. like this isn't this isn't worth it for me you know yeah. and like a lot of people that's that's what they love and that's their thing and it's like uh i'm good for them you know that yeah. i love it. i love actors i love people who can can do that cuz i I can do, I can play like the buddy comedy, but like anything with any sort of depth, it's just like, pfft, no way. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's funny you say that. Cause like, I also like, cause when I wanted to go into the industry, it was like, oh, I want to be an actress. And it was like, and I am a ham. Like I am like, I love, you know, like all this shit. And I'm very like, I don't care about being on camera and stuff, but it's like, but it is a very, I mean, it's obviously so different. It's like every time. And like, I will always volunteer to be like at a cameo, but as long as like, I don't have to talk. And it was really mm -hmm. funny. Cause like earlier this year, I volunteered to have a cameo. And then I did like, I did speak a line. And every time I watched it, I'm just like, why the fuck did I say yes to that? <laughs> like, it's just like, I hate, I hate watching it. And like, same with like this pot. I was like, I'm never going to listen to this podcast probably. So like, I just hate like hearing myself talk and all this stuff. Like, it's just so funny. Cause I'm just like oh why do I volunteer for it but anyway <laughs> well I'm so glad you you did it you I think your voice is great and you're very very interesting and fun to have on so oh my god wow um, well thank you <laughs> but if you if you don't want to listen to it also like I don't I listened I listen to as much as I need to to edit the episodes and yeah. not a lot more um because like same same thing it took me years to even like listening to my voice like singing and that's like really how I make most of my money these days yeah. you know and it's like for years I fucking hated it like, wow crazy okay I've, I've wondered like because like yeah it must be very different obviously to like perform and then to like hear it once it's recorded like it must be a totally wild experience yeah and there was a there was a period where I didn't really understand how to use my voice as an instrument um, I could do it live just through the feeling and the experience of being there. But like in the studio, I think a couple of my early records, the vo vocals sound a little flat because I didn't know how to like do that. I didn't know how to, you know, like really step into that place or understand how it sounds within the mix and whatnot. And it's, you know, I'm sure it's like acting in a way where you, you're, you're like doing this thing, but it's only a small, it's like a small part of like a big thing. You know, like you think that the vocals are the most important part, but it's also like how they sound within the mix of everything else and how you deliver it with and how it matches with the guitars or the piano or whatnot. You know, it's it's a it's a piece of a, a bigger picture. Yeah. 
totally I mean like that stuff that like as you're like saying that like blows my mind because I've like never once even thought about that but it does make sense because it's like the more in tune you are with everything else like of course you're like kind of sinking in deeper with all like the bigger picture of everything so that's cool because like I've obviously never been a singer or musician of any kind it's like just hearing you talk about that I'm like wow it is like a whole world that I have never even thought about you know like yeah yeah. totally but that's me with uh you know film budgeting <laughs> yeah <laughs> well good keep it that way you don't need to know it's the worst <laughs> um before before i let you go there's um i'm trying to think of one more really fun question i'd like to ask you and uh just you know we kind of touched on this before but say you were in that spot right where you were you said i think it was 2017 where it was that really hard year and um say you could go back and give that person some advice or someone in a similar spot, what's the advice you would give them? Oh God. Um, ask for help would be one thing. Cause that's something I did not do. And like I mentioned, like when people tried to help me, I was very resistant and, and yeah, like, I think just like asking for help and um, letting people take care of you is a really a uh, big piece of advice that I'm even still learning today. Like I'm very resistant to help and people, you know, supporting mm-hmm. me um, or taking care of me. And so it's like a, a lesson that I'm constantly trying to learn. But it's like, when I look back on those times when I like actually needed a little bit of a helping hand, it's like, damn, like, why didn't I just like, you know, accept that boyfriend at the time that was like, just let me fucking write you a check for 500 bucks right now. So you could like, you know, make this next month be a little bit better or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like just asking for help and, you know, leaning on other people for support and talking about it. Like, I think that, you know, like we've sort of been speaking on other things about, like, it's like, it is a really hard thing, but it's also very common, you know, for, Mm -hmm. for people that are freelancers or people that are like pursuing any dream of theirs. Like there are these like huge pitfalls and they fucking suck. And it's like, you have to, you have to like, you know, you're always told to like, keep this faith to know that there is the other side of it. But it's like, there's so much darkness in that. So it's like, you do have to like, you know, you do have to recognize that because it's there. And a lot of other people are either going through it or have gone through it. So it's like, and I think I was, you know, just so like, you know, again, like, I just had too much pride. Like I was like, I've got to, you know, I've already gone to Sundance as a producer. Like I can't, like, I can't talk about how my career is failing right now, because it was just like, the best it's ever been a few months ago or whatever. Um, But yeah. And like, and yeah, I mean, like those are, I think the biggest things I would tell myself because it was like, you know, there was a lot of like, Oh my God, so much like self-deprecation and so much like shitty, uh, shitty, miserable thinking. Cause it was just like, how can I, and like so much like blaming myself of like, how could I let this happen? But it's like, it's not your fault. It's just this like wild ass world we're living in. And like, especially uh-huh. like the film industry, like it's like, there's no guarantee for anything that we're doing. And so it's like just talking about it and, um, and yeah, just like leaning on others for support when you can. And the people who know me best who are going to hear me say that are going to be like, bitch, please. <laughs> they're going to be the same ones that are like, it's just funny. Cause like a, like a few months ago I had this like this is such a dumb story but like I had this like knot in my back that like turned into this like weird paralysis it was like one of those moments where I was like wow I really am getting old or like wow like I really did not manage my stress well on this one Mm -hmm. and I like texted my friends like at three in the morning and I was like because one of them has one of those like what are they called the like the massage guns the Theragun yes yeah 
she had a fucking Theragun and I was like, Emily, like, please bring your Theragun over. Like, I can't even move my body. And she was like, she was like, damn, like I knew something was up because you never ask anybody for help. And so it's just funny as I'm like giving this advice, but as I'm saying it out loud, it all does make sense. Like, it's like, people are there to help you and people are happy to help you. And people are also like happy to support you like through a lot of stuff. So, um, so yeah, just like knowing that like those dark times, like they're okay and they happen to everybody. And um, and they're actually quite frequent because it's like, even when you are like a millionaire producer, it's like, you know, I'm just thinking about like my hero Bernadette Caulfield, like she was on Game of Thrones forever. And it's like, I don't know what the fuck she's doing right now. She's probably still basking in the glow of not having to work yeah. <laughs> like, for the second or third year in a row. But I'm sure she goes crazy, like all of us, because like mm-hmm. all of us are, you know, creative people. And we do um, thrive a lot on like chaos and energy and constant movement and all that stuff. So just like staying stagnant does feel like a little bit scary a yeah. lot of the time. But um but yeah, it's like, it, but it happens because it's just like, no matter how successful you are or how successful your project is, it's like, there is like a, you know, there's a period of time where you're not really doing shit and you just have mm-hmm. to like accept those as they come um, and not let it get too scary for you. Um, Cause you know, I'm just like, I'm also thinking about like fucking Beyonce and Adele. It's like, they drop an album like once every five years. It's like, obviously they have no need to do any more music than that. But it's like, everybody still goes through periods of time where it's like, oh, I'm not really doing anything. Like, I'm uh-huh. not really, like, having, and, you know, those are, like, the, you know, seemingly most successful, you know, divas right now. And so it's just, like, even they are probably going through the same feelings of, like, oh, my God, have I been productive enough? Have I done this? And it's, like, whatever. Everybody everybody who's a creative person is going through it. So whether it's on a smaller scale or a larger scale, it's, like, somebody's going through it as well. So. Totally. No, that's such a, the Beyonce or Adele thing is like, that's as big as it gets. That's as big as it gets. And they, I guarantee they still have thoughts of like, oh, I haven't done this in a while or that, or, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, that's being stagnant can be really difficult. But what you said also about asking for help is like understanding that we're all in this together, you know, and also helping other people when you can, you know, like I'm not the person that just, um, like I, I help whenever I can, you know, but also sometimes it's beyond your ability to help, you know, totally. Um, but that's, that's the thing is I, I was really bad at like accepting help, especially financially for a very long time. And one, it's a certain point I had to just accept that it's like music doesn't have a lot of like financial value in our society, you know, in a lot of ways. And and a lot of and art that's just art in general sometimes and so like the way artists have existed for ever is through like people wanting to help them and support them and make them you know like make them be able to be alive to make more work and i've made it i've gotten much better at accepting help from people these days but i also now that i'm in a place where i can help more people i try and make it a point to help more people you know because it's all about that that flow I guess yeah totally and yeah I remember like feeling like that especially like during like the early days of the pandemic where it was like I don't know like everybody was like trying to like out uh charity each other or whatever Uh and so it's like it is funny because it's like um I do remember being like well this is the one thing I can do right now is give like 20 bucks to this person or like you know sending gift cards to people who I knew like were in a like who were struggling like more than I was or that I thought I was or whatever. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you do have to, you do have to pay it forward when you can, because it's like, 
yeah, it's all we can do is help each other out because like I said, it's a wild ass world we live in and a wild ass industry that we're all in. So um, totally like just working in entertainment in general. So, yeah. Well, I think that's uh, that's a great place to leave it is but don't be afraid to ask for help and give help where you can give it. Um, Do you have anything else you'd like to say? Sorry. No, I was just to say, which again is so funny. Like the people who know me best are going to be like, oh my God, Ellie, you can't even follow your own advice, but whatever. I'll listen to this podcast and I'll follow my own advice. <laughs> yeah. Or they can just like, may, like take a small clip from this. And when you're struggling and refusing to ask for help or being stubborn, yeah. they can play it for you. Yeah. Your own voice true. saying, ask for help. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I hope that they do. They probably will. Um, but no, I, I can't think of anything else I want to, I mean, like, this has been actually really, I was like, so nervous to talk to you. I was like, oh my God, what is he going to ask? Or like, what am I going to like say <laughs> accidentally or whatever? Cause I am also known for like talking shit and like, not, you know, not covering my bases very well. So I was like, oh my God, like, what if I like say something awful to the world, but whatever, I think uh, I actually like kept it under control. I don't think you talked any <laughs> shit. I think you did a great job. We'll do that off, off the record. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, my favorite. What's really funny is like, had you started talking shit, I, I might have just egged you on. <laughs> and not because I want to create that kind of show, but just because I love people talking shit sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it is like the best therapy and the best release is just to like vent and gossip and all this stuff. And it's like all these like awful things that you're never supposed to love to do. But it's like, sometimes you just need it. And again, like I just, you know, I, I grew up like, and my brother, like, I don't know, maybe you know this phrase too, having grown up like, but like, does the term visiting mean anything to you? Like, let's sit and visit. Oh yeah, yeah. My mom. I'm visiting with my girlfriends today, or my yeah. girlfriend came over. And we visited. Yeah, yeah. We just sit and visit, and so it's like I always like that's like my earliest memories are like of my parents and my family just like sitting around visiting, and it's like they're just talking shit. Like that's all that's <laughs> yeah. happening. So I'm like, okay, that's where I get it from. It's just like literally, like yeah, they just call it visiting. They don't call it talking shit, but it's just funny, especially like obviously growing up in small towns. It's like that's how they survive is gossip and totally. just like talking especially about each other pre-internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. My um, I my sister lives in Denver now, and my my mom and one of her friends went to Southern Colorado, probably around Pueblo somewhere to. Uh, for just like a, a little vacation just to hang out. My mom doesn't do things like that very often. And she yeah. hadn't seen this friend in a while. And so my sister drove down to see them and I hope none of them listen to this, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I taught, I and I went and saw my sister cause she spent like 48 hours with them. And then I, I was like passing through on tour like a week later. And I asked her, I was like, Hey, how was that? Was that good seeing mom and Laura? And she's like, yeah, in uh, 48 hours, I didn't say a single word. And I, I heard, about every single physical and medical ailment that their every single person in their entire family has had. Like they just sat there and just talked about like all of the the well and like someone's got stomach ulcers now and like you know what I mean? Just like that oh type of God. shit. And I'm just like, oh my God, that's like so just like two ladies just just talking shit. Like it's not even talking shit, but it's just like it's just my sister was like there was nothing of substance said in the entire 48 hours I spent with them and I'm like 
that sounds like a vacation for mom, you know, <laughs> like just getting to just talk shit for two days. Oh my God. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's so funny. Cause yeah, like there are lots of, I mean, like there is um, a family friend of ours that still lives in 10 sleep. And like, every time I talk to him, he's like, do you remember this guy? And I'm like, no. And he's like, oh, well, you know, he got, he got that hunter virus or whatever. I'm like, what is that? And he's like, oh, it's when you inhale mouse shit. And it's like, is that a real disease? And it's like, you just like never like, no, but anyway, it's just so funny. Cause it is like running the gamut of like, oh my god like did you hear about this like crazy thing that happened to somebody and it almost always is medical <laughs> yeah yeah it's always it's <laughs> in small town news travels fast but it's like always like the same shit it's so like yeah, yeah. i don't know yeah but anyway <laughs> <don't>... but yes <laughs> but no I, I very much enjoyed this so thank you and i realized we've been like talking for like so long so thank yeah. you i hope that you didn't have other plans <laughs> No, I, this is, I usually block out two or three hours for these things. Usually they take about an hour and a half, two hours. This was a good one. Okay. Um, Great. No, this um, was awesome. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. Do you have uh, anything you want people listening to check out or? Oh my God. Um, I know. I was just thinking, I've just been working on a lot of commercials lately. Um, I will say that a big program that I worked on this year is called Rising Voices. Um, mm -hmm. And it's with the job search engine indeed which is like i know that some people know it from like actually like because they post a lot of job searches and so uh -huh. anyway they gave um money to 10 different bipoc filmmakers and um 10 of these filmmakers got to make their short films and you can watch them on indeed.com's website and we'll probably be premiering on other streamers but 10 very beautiful films from very different you know uh filmmakers and so it's like a, a really cool mix of stories and um all those things so i and again there are 10 short films so it's like I, i'm not saying that you have to watch every single one but they're really fucking cool and i'm very proud of all those and those are the ones that premiered at tribeca which is why i was in uh new york in june um oh, cool. yeah so yeah and then um yeah another uh, feature that i worked on is called summering and that's going to be released pretty soon i think it's going to be theatrical in a couple of weeks i need to check with uh my friend scott he just went to their premiere the other week but um yeah. So those are the things that I'm working on. And then other than that, I'm just working on a lot of commercials and stuff. So um, nothing that it's so funny. I work on commercials and it's like, I don't like, I very, like, I very seldom actually see them. <laughs> I'm uh -huh. just like, where did they go? They paid me a lot of money, but I still haven't seen it. So they're like but in anyway. specific markets and things like that, or I don't know. Or it's just like, maybe I just don't see them because I don't like have cable TV or like what, but oh, it's just yeah, so yeah. funny. I feel like I, I work on them and then it's like, Oh, like, you know, I'll all of a sudden maybe see it someday or like somebody will send me a link of the final, but it's like, I never like catch it on TV or something. So, um, but yeah, those are the, those are the two things that I'm really proud of. And I also just worked on a Hulu, uh, true crime doc series called demons and saviors. And, um, we just did all the reenactments for it. Cause like, obviously with documentary, there's a bunch of interviews and uh -huh. we just shot all of the reenactments for that. And that should be coming out in, um, I think they said the end of September. So that'll cool. be cool too. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one that I'm also really excited. I actually just saw the first cut of it all, um, in the footage today. And I was like, damn, that looks good. <laughs> I was so that's excited. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, those are the, those are the things I've been working on. So anyway, but yeah. Um, but yeah, seriously, thank you for having me. Like I said, I was like so weirdly nervous, but this was great. Thank you. No, I, I, it was as much fun as I thought it would be. I knew this would be like a great interview from the moment I thought of it. So I'm so glad you've, we finally made yeah. this work. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's so nice. Yeah. You have a great night and we'll talk with you soon.